Blog Talk Radio. A transformation took place right before your very eyes on Saturday night. Suddenly, safeties crept up towards the line of scrimmage on first and second downs and were in position to make plays in the running game. Third down, the Miami Hurricanes were lining up with six guys at the line of scrimmage and incorporating zone blitz schemes. Last year, the Duke Blue Devils ran for 358 yards on Miami in upsetting the Hurricanes. Well, Saturday night at Sun Life Stadium, Duke was limited to 85 yards as Miami stayed in control throughout and defeated one of its main challengers in the ACC Coastal Division this year. Was that the real Miami Hurricane defense finding itself in Week 5? Or was it false bravado at the hands of a Duke team that maybe wasn't as good as it was propped up to be? And what about defensive coordinator Mark D'Onofrio, battered and beaten all week by the fan base, battered and beaten on this show seven days ago, as excited as a human being could possibly be in the tunnel after the game, chest-bumping and high-fiving his players in joy over how they performed against Duke. Did he finally listen to all the noise and give the fans what they simply have been asking for all along? Now Georgia Tech Week has arrived. Always an opportunity for a defensive coordinator to show what he's got. And Mark D'Onofrio has owned Paul Johnson's option offense the past three years now. Can he do it again and keep Miami's season alive? So much to talk about and ponder as we embark tonight on another edition of Kane Sport Live. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and welcome to what used to be the fastest two hours in Hurricane Sports, which tonight will go to an expanded format at the demand of the Canes Nation. And we'll stay live tonight for up to three hours and try to get everybody on that wants to be part of the show. As always, this is your show, and it's going to be driven by your participation. We have 60 open phone lines, so there's plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. The call-in number is 646-595-2048. That's 646-595-2048. Tonight, I'm going to have a special guest with me shortly. Um, it's, he's Howard Stellenberger, the man who started it all so many years ago at Miami, and he's going to be coming on in about 5-10 minutes. We're going to talk to him about some of these hot topics that have been um, pervasive in Hurricane football over the first month of the season, and then Howard will take some of your questions on all subjects. He has written a book on his coaching career called Passing the Torch, which is one of the hottest sellers of the college football season right now. The book just went into a second printing two months after it was released, and Howard talks in detail in the book about all of his coaching stops, none more fondly the University of Miami. We'll talk to him about some of that tonight in addition to the hot topics that we've been addressing in the first month of the season. As always, we ask the fans on the message boards at canesport.com to provide some of the topics and questions to be addressed on tonight's show. Here is what they came up with. When will Mark D'Onofrio admit that he was wrong in the way he prepared and called the game at Nebraska? Obviously, a lot of people were happy with what they saw out of the Miami defense on Saturday night, but there has been a lot of chatter and noise about the reaction of the coaches after the game, and the fact that there was no acknowledgement that that even a problem existed on defense. Kind of rubs some people the wrong way. They feel that coaches Golden and D'Onofrio 
are throwing the players under the bus a little bit. I'm not sure that's totally the case. The truth might be a little bit in the middle, but I think people were looking for the coaches to fall by the sword a little bit and admit that maybe they didn't do as good a job at Nebraska on defense as maybe they could have. More questions. Will the Hurricanes continue to play aggressively on defense? Why are so many players being used? You know that's something I've been talking about you know, well into a couple seasons right now. The question is, is it part of a recruiting tool to use so many freshmen? The answer to that is probably yes. What's up with all the bubble screens? Is this game a must-win for the Coastal Division title? Um, yeah, that's probably pretty safe to say. Is Trayon Gray in line for more playing time? Probably has to learn the playbook first before he can compete with Edwards, Yearby, and Duke Johnson. Should Miami run the ball more at Georgia Tech to control the clock and give the defense time to rest? Why are people around the country so hung up on Miami's attendance? Those of you that watch ESPN Game Day saw the Hurricanes embarrassed again on college football's elite pregame show. And a big discussion was the fact that Miami would have a small crowd against Duke. Why is this Hurricane team so up and down and inconsistent? Will that be its personality the rest of the way? Will the Hurricanes begin to schedule more teams in Texas, Louisiana, and California the way they did about a decade ago to expand the recruiting base? So those are just some of the topics that people have thrown out. Obviously, there's so much more to talk about. Howard Schnellenberger is going to be joining us shortly. But let's begin tonight in the 757, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's happening, Jerry? Doing good. Who's this? It's Tim, baby. 757 all day. What you got, man? Hey, you know, pretty good game. Um, the offense looked great. That um, Saturday night, the defense did step up. I saw how they were playing up on the line. They were like 10 yards off. They were doing a lot of bump and run. And they appreciate that. Now, let's hope that um, it can stay consistent. I see the defense went from 51 to 14. Trust me, I didn't even think they'll get that low again. But it's there. Now, Duke, I think they were hyped up a little bit more because, you know, I was telling people, there's only five decent quarterbacks in the ACC. That's Winston, Brissett, Brad Kaya, uh Watson from Clemson, and your boy, um, I got to go ahead and throw Williams in there from um, Carolina. That's why we should we should sweep this side. We shouldn't have a problem with our side at all. We should not lose to nobody. Georgia Tech might be the toughest one with the triple out, but we have owned them, like you said, the last three years. Um, I'm not satisfied with let me stop you. Let me, let me stop you oh. for one second. I want to stop you yeah, for one second. Yeah, stop. I, I would not recommend sleeping on that October 23rd Thursday night game at Virginia Tech. I know they've been struggling a, a little bit against – they struggled against Georgia Tech a little bit. But remember, this is a team that put together a game plan and a performance to knock off Ohio mm-hmm. State earlier this year. That's a dangerous yeah, Virginia Tech team always capable yes, of, of beating anybody they play. Do not sleep on that game oh, in Blacksburg. Yes, sir. Or yes, sir. Well, we, this we game in Atlanta this weekend. Uh, but like I said, you know, um, you really can't sleep on that one. But, uh, you know, we did good. Um, you know, it's something to hang a hat on compared to last time when we played. And then we just got to see what's going to bring for Georgia Tech in the rest of the season. Will the defense be aggressive as it's been? Let's hope so. If not, we're going to wind up being in a funk again. The offense is Dynamic. I mean, I don't think, you know, Yerby, oh, that juke move he put on the board, oh, yeah, we stacked. We good for our offense. And like you say, playing a lot of players, uh, I see my man still ain't getting in the game. Weiss, 
Um, I guess he still don't, still ain't in shape. He played a couple whatever plays. Be the case. He got in for a couple. Oh, he's he just not very good, man. I guess I ain't seen him. I guess I got to start looking home. He's just not real good and way overhyped. Yeah, Michael Weiss is just, you know, he's just been overhyped. He's just not very good right now. Has a lot of work to do. Hey, he got a lot of work to do. That's fan to stay. That's a VA boy. I hate to see VA boys come up to the 305 and don't shine. But hopefully he'll get it right next year. And um, All right, you, got, said, you got anything else for us tonight? No, nah, man, I'm good. Leave me on hold. Enjoy the rest of the day. See you next Tuesday, buddy. You got it, man. Thanks for being part of the show. 646-595-2048. Let's go out now to the 305, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey, Gary, what's up, man? It's Vindal calling from the West End Zone again. How you doing, buddy? Hey, the, the West End Zone looked look, look, look happening the other night. Yeah, man, the West End Zone was rocking it again, man. I just, I just wanted to take a few minutes, man, to clear up some misdeceptions about me from last week, man. I was, I was talking about poops. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you was asking who was poops, and, you know, some people thought I, you know, was racist about it by using the N-word, but... You know what I'm saying? Let me let me tell you something about poops for all intensive purposes here. Me and poops go way back. You know, we was once two niggas of the same kind. Quit the hollow at a hoochie with the same line. You know what I'm saying? And then he became a Muslim. He didn't want to chase tail no more. He started going to mosque, all that stuff. But anyway, I digest. What what I really wanted to say though is there's still a lot of problems in Coral Gables, but you know, I don't know if we can really blame the coaches. I don't know if we can blame the players. You know who I blame? I blame the Jews. What? Yeah, and, and I'll tell you why. We we don't have time for that. Come on, man. Jesus Christ. Let's go out to the 917 where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. What's up? BK Hurricane. Hey, what's up, BK? How are you, man? Hey, what's going on, Gary? Uh, I tried to get in last week, but last week was crazy. Crazier than this week? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, you know, Gary, um, just one or two things. You know, I want to keep it quick. I want to try to get everybody on the line. Um, um, I think this win, in a way, you, you know, I'm still not that confident in the team, just based off of what you said in the beginning about, you know, the press conference, how, you know, they didn't pretty much admit that they're – was a problem. It was just like a you know little glitch that they had to fix. So you know, like part of part of knowing that you have a problem is accepting it. And I don't think Miami has done that. That's real quick. And the other thing is, you know, what do you think the coaches could do to to address the recruiting along the defensive line, which I feel that they're having a problem with. We have like twenty seven. I mean, I'm sorry, we have twenty one commits right now, and no one really stands out on the defensive line particularly defensive tackle. True. No, no I, I mean, I'm asking that's you, a fair, like, is that's there a something you think they're doing wrong or, you know, like, what do you no. think? Well, I mean, I just think that, you know, you, you just have, I mean, I don't want to say average. That might be a little disrespectful, but you don't have any impact players at that position right now. So, you know, but in reality, when you consider the fact that they don't, they're actually doing a pretty good job. Other than that in Nebraska. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 but but Nebraska was kind of well, Nebraska and 
and and Louisville were kind of the big games on the schedule thus far, you know, like in terms of competition wise, and we kind of lost to both. And I feel that, uh, you know, like we're just, you know, during Al Gordon's tenure, we just haven't addressed the defensive tackle position like, you know, on any level where we're competitive at that position. Well, they've tried, and, and, and you're right, they've been unsuccessful, but they have tried. I mean, they, they go out, they, they recruit Michael Weiss, they recruit Hurtalu. Um, I, I You know, when they recruited Kamalu, I think they thought he also would be part of the answer there, and he has been playing pretty well in, in, in a swing role. So, I mean, they've tried to address it. They've just struggled to get the elite players there because everybody in the country wants them, and right now they're all going to the SEC. But, Gary, correct me if I'm wrong. It's like, you know, like all those guys you name, it's like we got in like the 13th hour, you know, like right before signing day, week or two before signing day. You know, like considering that you have a year or more to actively recruit a defensive tackle, you know, like you mean to tell me, I mean, not that I say we could steal a top-notch defensive tackle from, from any of the good SEC teams, but you mean to tell me we can't beat out a Penn State or a, or you know like or or Michigan for a good defensive tackle? Well, they have not been right now. I mean, you know, you you see they're getting the second tier. Uh, Cortell Jenkins has come in and done a nice job as a true freshman, but the truth is he shouldn't be on the field. Um, you know, exactly. We've, we've been talking about Weish. He can't get on the field. He's just not good enough. Um, Hurdle's done a really good job so far this year. Um, he's the one guy that's worked out. But, no, BK, they're, they're struggling recruiting at that position. Right. I think until we address that issue, we will never see the kind of defense that Mark D'Onofrio and Al Gordon talks about. Because if we could just get pressure with those three or four guys up front that that they're hoping to get that we just can't seem to get, then that up change the whole complexion of the defense. And – I'm hoping that they get that soon, but we're looking at 21 commits right now. It's not looking good. Well, there'll be more. There'll be some midterm entries. They'll be they'll, they'll sign a full class this year. They'll work it out. I mean, there, there will be more, and there'll be some attrition still uh, from the the, the, oh, yeah. the ones I'm that pretty, are committed right sure now. There will be. All right. All right, BK. All right. Well, let's just, tonight? let's just hope they do. Nah, I'm pretty much it. Let's just hope that the defense stays on this course and just kind of. Does the right thing, but they. But I did notice during the game they did sneak this. Finally, snuck the safeties up a couple of yards, and Al Golden and Danafia did not admit that, huh? No, they were doing it almost every series, and that's all they had to do to fix just a minor problem, a major problem. Sorry. Well, all right. Here's what I want to caution everybody on. Okay, uh, there, there was a big difference between Duke and Nebraska. Okay, from a talent standpoint, of course, there's of course. There, there's no comparison. So. Great job the other night, great adjustments, great new mindset. You know, you can't be complimentary enough. But, you know, they needed to do the same thing at Nebraska. And, and they need to do the exactly. same thing when they play these good teams coming up on the schedule. They need to have some aggressive schemes that take advantage of their athletes, and they have to have answers for what the other team likes to do. They did that perfectly Saturday night, but they still have a lot more to show all you guys, in my opinion. It can't be – you can't so, have this Gary. inconsistency, okay? You can't have this inconsistency. And, you know, like I said, you, you applaud them to death. And, you know, you know, I'm a 
big Al Golden believer and, and I want him to succeed and, and, and all that. But you can't have this up one week, down the next, up one week, down the next. You need consistency from the first day of the season to the last day of the season. And until that happens, we're going to be sitting here every year. with It's going to be like a loop. Okay, we're going to feel like we're watching like one of those old movies that just keeps looping around over and over again. And, mm-hmm. you know, now you're sitting here, you're a third of the way through the year. There's still a lot of games left to play. They need to strive for consistency. Exactly. Like me, for example, I won't be sold on this program until the end of December, beginning of January, when we make it to a bowl game and finally win one. Well, that's when you can evaluate. So, you know, you can evaluate the whole body of work. Exactly. But right now exactly. you got a tough but, game but on the road Saturday, man. You got to focus on that one. Just focus on Saturday right now. Brutal. brutal that team brutal. went to black. Yeah, listen, I'm not going to keep you on. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to keep you on. So there's a lot of people trying to get on. Keep me on the phone. You got it, man. Give us a call again next week. Yeah, you're talking about a Georgia Tech team here that went into Blacksburg and won. And, and I don't care, good, bad, and different. You go into um, Blacksburg and, and win a game against Virginia Tech in that stadium. You're doing something right, and um, this figures to be a pretty good test for the Hurricanes on Saturday. 646-595-2048 is the number, 646-595-2048. Let's go out now to the 732, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Hey, man, it's the Raging Wolf from the WEZ. I just want to talk about, in your opening scripted-ass weird stuff, you got to fix that, man. It sounds pretty bad, but in that opening, you said um, – how Dinofrio's owned Georgia Tech the last couple of years. I mean, not to be on your ass or anything, but that's completely false. Last year, Georgia Tech had 335 rushing yards, and they scored 23 points. And if it wasn't for a missed extra point, they would have been tied with us deep in that fourth quarter. And then two years ago, well, they scored over 30 points. So we've gotten All a right, busy the last so couple of years. But time what's going on here? You got, a, you, got a, you got a Georgia Tech team that runs the ball almost every single down. Okay. And, and, and wait, wait, time out, time out, time out. Wait, let me talk, and then I'll let you continue. They run the ball almost every single down. They run an offense that you see one time a year. You got to totally change everything you do for this one week. 335 yards of offense in that in a game like that is not a bad night at the office. No, I don't, I don't care, man. 300. Look, last last week, two weeks ago, Nebraska. They basically ran the ball the whole game. How many rushing yards did they have? Was it 350, whatever they had? Everyone was complaining and moaning and all that about how the running defense was horrible. They put up 335 last year against a, what was it, a top 10 team, top 15 team. That's horrible. I don't I don't care what kind of option they run. If, if we got piss poor ACC teams that do better than that. That's, that's no bueno, my man. Okay, I mean you're you're entitled to have your standard of excellence. You know, my opinion right. is they've done they've done pretty well against Georgia Tech the last few years. All right. Now, my second thing is I need some prayers from everyone cuz my boy, the man the myth the legend, uh the other day, yesterday, man, he came home from work um on his lunch, he came home early, and on the on the table, it's a real sad on the table it was he, his wife left the ring and the note. She said she's taking the kids, so Prayers for the man, the myth, and the legend. You know, that needs to get fixed real quick. And uh, Wait, recruiting. Huh? You just lost me. You go didn't... ahead. No, <laughs> we I'm telling you about my boy. Okay. All right, go ahead. Recruiting. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... What's tonight? Halloween here? Let's go. <laughs> go ahead. Recruiting. 
No, wait. I was telling you, my boys got divorced. Anyway, man, it's sad shit. But um, recruiting. Last week, we lost a tight end to – who was it? We lost a tight end to Wake Forest. Okay. Did we discuss that's this not last what, week? Yes, but that's not what happened. Okay. What the happened? Kid, the kid, well, the kid's family was, had, was putting a lot of pressure on him to, um, to stay a little bit closer to home. Um, he, 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 he basically caved into that and appeased them by picking Wake Forest. I, I wouldn't package that as Wake Forest stealing a kid from Miami. All right. Well, fair you enough. gotta be fair. You know, you gotta be fair. Do, sometimes you, things sometimes things change. Right. Would you agree with this statement that quarterbacks are, I guess you could say, the nucleus of a recruiting class? Like, if you got a good quarterback, it depends on what your needs are in a given year. I mean, lots of times they are sure. Right. So that's the thing that really helps the 2016 recruiting class. That's the early commitment of quarterback Jack Allison. You know, quarterbacks usually stick no matter how early it is. And with him in the bag, the skill guys are going to want to play with him. Now, if we no can question. get Gibson somehow this year, this class might get decent. You know, Irvin and Johnson, I think, are coming, but you never know. Scarlett's going to come if Walton stays if, in the 16 class. If Gibson's coming, it's not going to be as a quarterback. It's not? No. Why? It would, if he comes, it means that he has convinced himself that he won't be a quarterback, that he's that he, and he would be coming to Miami as a wide receiver, and I don't expect that to happen. Right. Well, I don't know, man. Recruiting's trending up, and if this damn golden guy can get the goddamn defense fixed, you know, we might get some defensive tackles in here, you know, big boys up in the middle. But that's, that's all I yeah, got to say, hey, man. All right, man. Hey, have a, um, have a, have a, oh, I got to do my shout-outs real quick. Hold on, man. Can, do it fast. I got to shout-out <laughs> shout out to Poops because, you know, Poops has never lied. And I heard that you were asking about Poops this last week on, on a – no, I was asking. I was asking who he was. I had never heard that nickname before. Now, man, look. You know everything about Miami football. Like you probably know what Golden's rear end looks like. How do you not know who Poops is? I've never heard it. I've never heard that what? nickname before. So I was wondering who it was. That, oh, that's not. That's not his nickname. That's his birth name. That's not his birth certificate. Oh, really? Okay. Poops. I don't. You know, like like I said, I had never heard that name before. So I was just curious yeah. who it was. He brought it up Poops. on the show last week, and I was wondering who it was. All right, man. Hey, thanks for being part of the show. All right, man. Shout out to... All right. Let's move on now to the uh, 646, where you are now live on Team Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Yeah, Gary? Yes, sir. That's you. Yeah, this is Carlos Call from Brooklyn, New York, Brooklyn, USA. I What's see up, everybody Carlos? How you doing tonight? Carlos, actually, but close enough. I see everybody getting excited about, you know, the Duke win. I'm not too excited about it because, you know, yeah, they're on our schedule and we play who's on our schedule, but we're supposed to be Duke. We're not talking about Duke basketball here. We're talking about Duke football. Mike Krzyzewski is not on the field, you know, coaching. So I expect us to beat them. I expect us to eviscerate them. And as far as the defense goes, uh, Coach D, I don't think he's off the hook as of yet because, like I said, we're playing against Duke. You know, when we play against uh, bigger opponents, top flight uh, college programs, then and we hold them, that's when, like, you know, I would give him the respect that he's probably wanting. But as of right now, I still think he's on the hot seat. And as far as the offense, I think the offense is actually progressing and getting better. Brad Kaya, he's a stud. So um, I like the steps, you know, the growth that he's making, as well as Al Golden. I mean, uh, Coach Coach Coley. So, 
you know, you you got to give D'Onofrio uh, credit for the progress that he made last week, but I don't think there's any question that what you're saying is true. And and the defense is going to be under a microscope every week, and people are going to look to see some consistency in the performance, as I just said a minute ago. Um, the offense, I think the only thing holding the offense back right now is other teams are doing a good job of scheming on third down, and they're throwing wrinkles at Brad Kaya that he's never seen before and that he didn't prepare for during the week. Um, so that's what's slowing the offense down just a little bit right now. And once they tighten that up and, 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 and Kaya gets more experience, I think you'll see the offense start to have more success as well. Yeah, I definitely feel that same way. Uh, I've seen that Coley, he dropped a big ball. You know, that was supposed to be six, and he dropped it. Uh, I don't know what Al Golden said to him or, or did to him, but if I was like, if, if you go back in the history of Miami, Butch Davis never allowed stuff like that to happen. I don't understand Tanner Moss, Andre Johnson, you know, those prior hurricanes dropping passes like that. I was wondering if he would, like, sit him down a couple plays and bring in Herb Waters because every time I look, turn around, Herb Waters is making plays. Well, I mean, they can't sit Coley much more than what he's been sitting so far this year. I mean, he really has not impacted this season yet. Um, I think he's pressing a little bit. You know, he's trying to make his mark, and he's been banged up, and you know, I, I think he's still. You got to remember, he's still just a second-year player, and I think he Absolutely. still gets a little jittery in games, and 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 might get a little anxious at times. And um, they're, they're not going to give up on Stacy Coley. I mean, he's too good, and they'll keep throwing him the ball. But um, you're right, Herb Waters stepped up last week, and he's a guy that was a little bit in the doghouse over the first few weeks of the season, and they gave him an opportunity against Duke, and he delivered, which means he'll have an expanded role now going forward. Um, but, yeah, you're not going to give up on Stacey Cole. No, we can't. We definitely can't. And is it possible, uh, what do you think about them uh, getting Philip Dorsett the ball more? Like, Philip Dorsett is the fastest guy on the team. You know, a guy like that that's so good in open space, you know, we got to find a way to get him involved more, and, and not just bubble screens. Well, you, you you say that, and and yes, he clearly is the most explosive player on the team. Um, but you also want Philip Dorsett still on the field in November, which you didn't have last year, which certainly contributed to those losses late in the season. And he, he's not the biggest receiver in the world, and I just think that they're trying to pick their spots with him. They want to get him through the through a full season this time around, so that when they play Florida State and uh, uh, those big games later in the season, that they still have Phillips or set on available on the team. Now, don't you think that would mess, like, with the continuity of, like, the offense as far as, like, you know, Brad no. Kai not being familiar with, you know, Phillips or set or Malcolm Lewis, then you have Herb Waters, then you have Coley, you know? I think they're all playing well. I mean, who would you sit down? I mean, Malcolm yeah, Lewis. That's what I would say. Good. He's back to his freshman form. He's playing great. Uh, Braxton Berrios is, is playing great. Um, Herb Waters had a phenomenal game last week. You, you know, who are you going to sit out? And the tight end's playing pretty good, too. Yes, he is. Clive is playing pretty good, too. You know, he has to be consistent. Yeah, I, didn't like that, I didn't like that one play in the Nebraska game where he didn't make a play on the ball and let the guy intercept the ball. Yeah, you know, that's, I didn't that, like that's that at all. Well, that's unforgivable. I mean, that, that costs you games. So, you know, all the catches he's making and everything are great. I want to see him make that play also. Also, I don't like uh, all the freshmen that's being played on defense. It's like, you know, it's. I don't think they, they're they ready to play as of yet. 
well, some of them are, some of them might not be. Yeah. You know, there's certainly yeah. some of these guys that could have been redshirted. I, I'm just surprised at how easily they give up redshirt years. You know, you know, I don't agree with it. I, I think yeah. it slows down the development of, of your program. Guys yeah, graduate too quick. They don't develop until they're uh, late in their careers. And I mean, I don't like it. I'm a big believer in redshirts. Yeah, me too. Like, for instance, a guy like me, I believe McCord should redshirt his freshman year. Yeah. How would you? How how good would you feel if he was a redshirt uh, sophomore right now? Oh, I'd feel awesome right now. You right. Know? And all right, you got anything else for us tonight? One more thing. I. If, if if we decide, I'm not, you know, throwing him under the bus, but if we decide to keep Coach D, we got to develop our talent on defense. We have to, you know. Well, I mean, uh, fair uh, enough. I mean, they're certainly trying to. They used yeah. it a lot better last week. So th- this week's another big test for them. Oh, definitely, definitely. All right, guys, I don't want to talk to Lawrence. All right, more, man. So. Yep, thank you. Hey, thanks for being week. part of the show. You got it, man. All thanks right. for being Go part of the show. You got it. All right, 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048 to the 917, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. You're at the helm in Oakland. Hello? Are you with us? Going once, going twice. You'll have to call back. All right, let's go to the 502, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Uh-huh. Hey Gary, how's it going? This is uh, Logan from Kane Sport. Hey, what's up, Logan? How you doing this week? Oh, pretty good, man. Well, I, I guess you had a coach or somebody listen to the show when uh, we were talking about player personnel and uh, having those safeties move up, huh? <laughs> yeah, they listened, didn't they? Oh, I tell you what, it was a it was a beautiful thing to see to finally see an aggressive defense on our part instead of that passive stuff we've been uh, we've been having to witness the last couple of years. So. Uh, well, I mean, the significant the thing staff. was that it it worked. I mean, it worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, I I played defense back when I balled. And when you play aggressive, it shortens, it narrows that window of opportunity for the offense. It makes them have to think faster. You know, I I don't think Duke's quarterback was terrible, but he had tight windows to throw in when our guys were on top of him. So. I mean, I think it made a difference. Made our kids not look like they were guarding the air five yards away from the guy. Yeah, no question about it. So I just feel, you know, that definitely uh, I just hope we can – I know Georgia Tech's going to be a different front that we're going to use. Um, we do kind of play them aggressive. We're going to have, you know, our fast uh, linebackers and stuff out there. I think we'll play them tough, but it's, you know, let's see what our offense can do. I think it's going to be a good game. We should win. I mean, obviously, we, we've got the better talent. We should win. It's just going to come down to, you know, executing that uh, – that that triple option threat. You got to basically tackle everybody. That's what I was told when I played. Tackle everybody. <laughs> no doubt. Um, but uh, quick question: I just want to know uh, what is your thoughts on if uh, coaching staff really does believe that they made a mistake, or do you think that you know that, that they're really going to try to implement what we've seen against Duke? Well, I think they know they made because because you were in, yeah because you were in the conference uh, you know in the press conferences so you can kind of see their body language and stuff better than we can so. Well, I mean, you could definitely see it in Al Golden's body language. I mean, they, they know they made a mistake. I mean, they they lost. Yeah, they they were not as competitive as they could have been and and, and should have been and, and didn't really give themselves a chance to win the ball game. So they know they made a mistake and give them credit. They got in there during the week. Coach Golden had a lot of stuff going on in his life. 
but he got in there with uh, Mark D'Onofrio, and they made some changes and, and tried some different things against Duke, and it worked well. Now they got to go reinvent themselves again against a Georgia Tech team that, like I said, I, they have done fairly well against. But you know that, that Paul Johnson has been sitting there for the last 12 months taking a look at why Miami's getting the better of him. And he's going to come with some wrinkles Saturday as well that they're going to have to adjust to. And they know that. So um, yeah. it, it is a challenge. Yeah. Right last year, I remember, I guess it was halftime. D'Onfrio had to run downstairs because they were doing something he hadn't done in like uh, like five years or something like that. Yep. So yeah, yeah I mean, I think I think we'll yeah, I think I think we'll do I think we'll do good, and uh, I you know I wasn't gonna take up much of your time tonight, so uh, if you want to put me back on hold, I'll, I'll listen. But uh, thanks for everything, man. Appreciate the show. Okay, thanks for calling and being part of the show. All right, let's go out now to the uh, three hundred five, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, Shmira fifty five, how are you? Hey Shmira, how you doing this week? Doing all right, doing all right. Took a little break last week after that Nebraska loss. I didn't you didn't want to hear my words, so I figured I would uh give a week off. <laughs> um Gary, my only question would be what happened to Stacey Coley? I mean, I know firsthand that he's probably the most uh, you know, gifted player on the uh on the receiving core. What's going on with him? I don't know if I, I like think him returning puns. Hmm. You know, I, I think he's a little anxious, and I, I think he's just pressing. And, you know, it's similar to, you know, the struggles he had in his freshman year when he dropped those passes early in the season. I mean, it looked almost identical. Well, that was the, and, that was the first game, if you don't, you know, if you remember, that yeah, was but, the first game. But, After that, was, he was the best. Yeah, but Robert, you know, he, he's a second-year player, and it's certainly not an excuse. I watched this kid at practice, and he goes on the jugs machine, He'll catch 80 balls in a row. I mean, he doesn't have bad hands. He, he, I think he just gets a little uptight in ball games and gets a little anxious sometimes. And he's just got to learn to relax and let his talent take over. But one thing about Stacy Coley is he is always open. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's. I mean, like I've seen a lot of the good ones, and right behind Amari Cooper, I mean, he's got the talent. It's it's there. You know, I don't know about the work. Ec, you know. The work and all that stuff, but that kid is—he's—he's he's top notch, and you know he should—he should be—he should, be, should be developed a little bit more, getting a little bit. I don't know if I agree with him returning punts and kickoffs, though. I don't know if he really has the body, and if he was banged up during you know the early part of the year, if you really want him returning punts. So I kind of question that. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? You know. He's one of your more gifted guys in the return game. He's just, but he's not delivering. And, and I think it's something as they go forward here in the season, they're going to have to look at. I mean, they can't be happy with the production that they're getting in the kicking game right now. They're they're, they're not getting significant returns either on kickoffs or punts. Um, they the coverage teams did improve against Duke, um, but special teams clearly is an area for this football team that can improve significantly. Right. I would actually say it's probably one of the most, you know, one of the parts of the game that really has a question because you figure Miami has the athletes, so they sh- they should be explosive on, you know, returning punts and kickoffs, and it's really lacked. I mean, just nothing, it's been a negative basically the whole year. Obviously, the returning game they have improved, but just returning kicks, I mean, they're just basically average at best. I, You know, the, the one problem, you know, just a – on just looking at the overall team, you know, I, I've been a, I'm a third generation, um, 
season ticket holder, so I've only missed a handful of games in 30 years. And I, this game, I happened to be out of town, and I was watching it. Gary, it's embarrassing to watch a Hurricane game on TV, just looking at that crowd. Oh, my God. It's really bad. What are your thoughts? What, on that? What's new, that's Robert? I mean, that's been going on, going back into, you know, into the 1960s. You know, I it mean, was the same situation at the Orange Bowl. You know, it, you know, know Miami you has know, always I, struggled to draw fans, particularly when the opponent is not a marquee opponent. I mean, it, it, it's the way it's always been. I'm not sure it's ever going to be any different. Was it, I mean, but just watching that on TV, I'm just sitting at the bar and I was at a wedding and just people yeah, come by, what game are you watching? I'm like, the Miami game. And they're like, wow, that crowd is really bad. And I was, I was Yeah, it doesn't look good on TV. Huh? At least, you know, they, they did a better job. They moved the students over on on that uh, north side of the, of the of the field and brought them to like the 40 yard line. I thought that was a great move, but the problem is the students aren't coming out to the games like they should be. Number 1, and number 2, they leave early whenever they get a chance. So if you're sitting there watching the game in the second half, there's nobody in those seats now and uh yeah, so no matter what they do, they can't seem to find the perfect solution for the problem, but I do think that was a move in the right direction and um I think the team playing better will help. And, you know, they got to market to the students. They got to do a better job marketing to the students. Alabama even faced this problem. And Nick Saban took it upon himself to go address the students and reach out to the students. And he outright demanded up there that they do not leave that stadium before the last second comes off that clock. And the students responded to his call and they stay there till the very end. And, you know, maybe that that's a movement that Al Golden needs to get going at Miami. It wouldn't hurt. All right, Robert, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go. Wait, Gary, one, one last go question. Um, with, uh, in, in the offensive line injuries, um, how concerned are you on that? And obviously from a depth perspective, that could be bad, but um, is this going to be a major problem or do you see it fixable yeah. and how concerned are you? No, it's a, it's a major problem. And, and um, you know, you don't know yet how – how yeah, severe how the injuries they? are. Um, they okay. haven't um, they haven't come out with a final medical declaration yet on those two injuries. But you lost your two best right tackles last week, and they're not going to play this week. And now you're taking a true freshman who was undersized to begin with, and you're putting him at left guard, and you're taking your left guard, and you're putting him at right tackle, and it's screwing up all the continuity that you've built uh, going back to spring practice. Yes, yeah, so it's a big deal. Um, and a lot of pressure on on the young Nick Linder there at that left guard spot. You know that Georgia Tech's going to attack um, that gap qu- quite a bit in this game on Saturday, and other opponents will too until they get themselves back into uh, their old lineup. So, yeah, to answer your question, I think it's a really big deal. All right, let, you, me, let, you, let me let you go. I got, I, got Howard, I got Howard Schnellenberger waiting to come on. You got it. So, so let me, um, let's defer to that and uh, give us a call again next week. You all right, I mentioned the old ball coach. Um, I'll call him um, Howard Schnellenberger, obviously a, a guy that goes back with the Miami Hurricanes to 1979. I, I, I mean, so much a part of my life for all these years. Um, I remember I was a, a, a wide-eyed, true freshman walking into Miami, summoned to the coach's office, and um, he looked at me and he, and he told me that the, he was on a collision course with the national championship. The only variable was time told me that day that he could make it happen in five years, and he asked for help that day 
um, to tackle a, a problem that actually our last caller just brought up in getting fans into the stands. And um, all these years later, Miami's still struggling to draw, um, but there's no question about the legacy of the program, um, which Howard is, is so big of a part of. And um, he's now retired, obviously, and, and he has written a book called Passing the Torch. And I've had a chance to read uh, parts of it, and, and, and it's, it's, it's really a, a, a very entertaining read. And, and no subject in the book takes greater priority than the detail of his time at the University of Miami, which obviously is a very fond period in his life. Um, Howard, how are you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing fine. I just came back from a, a, a book signing that we had with the Red Cross up here in Boca, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's my uh, major thrust uh, as we go uh, midweek here, and uh, <clears throat> Be going down to see the uh, the owls play the uh, Panthers down in the uh, the uh, uh, what they call it, the interstate uh, uh, ba- uh, backyard bash F I U F A U. Well, they're the trying to make it that. <laughs> they're they're doing their best. <laughs> it's a little bit of a reach right now, though, Howard. If we're honest, you know, I mean, although um, well, both yeah, both teams don't... have been short in life. It's always going to be a reach until you get to be up there with the big boys, and uh, uh, each of them are working hard to get up there. You're right. So how is life as an author? Well, uh, i tell you, I was you know, back when I coached, uh, Beverly and I, all those years, we put in about uh, 60, about 90 hours a week because you work weekends, Saturdays and Sundays, throughout the whole year. And then uh, when I uh, retired, uh from football uh, up here in Florida Atlantic. I got it down to 60 hours, but damn, I write this book and I'm back up to 90 hours a week now. And uh, it's uh, at age 80, uh, takes a toll on you. But uh, no, we're wearing good spirits and feeling good. Well, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show that it's one of the most successful college football books on the market right now. Um, came out a couple months ago. Your publisher is already in a second printing. Um, you're obviously being very well received out in, in in the book signings. What made you decide to write the book? Well, you know, throughout my career, people would ask uh, periodically when I was going to write a book, and I'd always say to them, "I'm not going to write any book. I'm too busy. I'm not going to write a book until uh, you know my my coaching is over." And that happened uh, up here in Florida Atlantic uh, in uh, 2011. And so uh, I, true to my word, uh, I, I wrote a book uh, two years ago. We started on it. Uh, Ron Smith, uh, former editor of the Boca News, and I, but we both had day jobs. I was a master at large for, for FAU, and he was a, a judge and a prosecuting attorney over in uh, uh, Fort Myers. And so it took us two years to uh, get it, uh, to get it um, written and, and re- you know, and edited and all the things you have to do to get it ready for market. And uh, that happened, uh, that happened uh, here on uh, September 1 uh, of this year. And that's when we hit the, the markets and, uh, 
it's been uh, remarkably well well received. Well, with reason, Coach, and you know, I, I know you're humble and everything, but I can tell you the segments that I've been able to read so far, and I'm about three quarters of the way through it, um, have been extremely insightful and extremely entertaining. And I want to talk to you about some of the things in the book uh, in a little bit that you know jumped out at me that I think people will find entertaining um, as they ponder going to see you at one of these book signings or, or, or maybe buying uh, the book themselves. Um, but I wanted to also, just because this is such a, a rare opportunity for the Miami fan base to, to have you on the show with us tonight, um, and it's been such a topical football season in so many ways, not just for the Miami Hurricanes, but for so many other areas of college football, and I just wanted to take a couple minutes to get your opinions on some things, and then maybe we'll open up the phone lines for a little bit and let some fans ask you some questions, and then we'll circle back and talk a little bit more in detail about some of the items in this book, particularly in the Miami Hurricanes chapter. Um, so, you know, l- let me start by saying that, you know, we were together in Louisville for the season opener for both teams. Um, you know, y- y- you were there to, to, to watch that game. And it, it, it's a, it was a game that had massive implications on the ACC for the entire season. And, you know, the first question I have, and I'm sure that a lot of people would share it, is, is it fair for the conference, whether it be the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, any of these conferences, to schedule such an important ball game for opening night of the season? Well, I don't know. I don't. I'm sure, I think it's fair. Who is it not fair to? It's uh, you know, if you're going to lose a game, uh, you want to lose it in the first game of the year, like we did when we were down in Miami and we got the hell beat out of us by Florida. Uh, thank God that we played in the first game of the year and we could bounce back and win the national championship. Uh, somebody's got to do it, and uh, those games have to be played. So uh, I think it's, you know, it's it's a, and it's a great motivational thing for the coaching staff. Jesus, you got you got all summer to get ready for this opening ball game against uh, you know your nemesis, and, and uh, what a what a added uh, sense of urgency and. And uh, everybody's their whole summer. They're gonna, they're out there pushing harder than they'd ever push if you were playing uh, FAU or you were playing FIU or you were playing uh, any of these, uh, you know, cupcake teams. So uh, uh, there's a real there's a real uh, write-off. Uh, it's good for the goose and maybe not good for the gander. Well, I think one team was a little bit better prepared than the other team in that game. And, and, uh, I don't think it's the team that most of the people listening to this show tonight, uh, cheer for. Um, but one of the big issues for Miami in that ball game was the fact that, uh, they made a decision to start a true freshman quarterback, Brad Kaya. And we've been able to watch him now for a month and, and you see the steady progression that he's making week after week after week. Um, but opening night, big conference game, on the road against a quality opponent in, in an atmosphere where they're having a blackout. You got Bobby Petrino coming in as, as, back to Louisville, all the excitement. I mean, you and I spoke before the game, and, and I think you told me it was the biggest game in the history of the Louisville program, um, just from a, a pageantry standpoint, if not a, a significance. And, and the fact that Louisville was coming into the ACC probably made it um, about that on a significance level as well. And um, I, I want you to comment about how tough of an assignment that was 
for a true freshman quarterback to walk into? Well, to be honest with you, I think the freshman quarterback is handled better than the freshman coaches that were coaching him, uh, is what I've seen, what is, what's, uh, has come down in the games that have been played since that game. Uh, that game plan was, uh, was, uh, uh, gave, gave him virtually no chance to win because, uh, Louisville, Louisville had a tremendous defense and, uh, you can't go out there and nickel and dime them, uh, if you're going to, you got to outscore them and, uh. Uh, it's proven. It's proven out that this young guy is really something special, and um, and I don't know what would have happened if they had went out there and spread them out and started throwing the ball uh, like we did, uh, like uh, Bernie Kosar did when uh, he was a redshirt freshman and uh, played against uh, um, the Florida football team. Uh, up there in uh, up there in uh, Gainesville, uh, he went out there and, and threw for over 300 yards, and uh, and uh, and we ran and threw, and we we had enough offense to win the damn game. We just threw set, we just had seven turnovers, but uh, um, at least we we had a hell of a game, and and and, uh, and uh, got them used to used to throwing and picking. Throwing and catching the thing that we were going to do later on in the year. Well, you know, James Coley, a young up and coming coordinator, putting his true freshman out there on opening night. I don't think there's any question, coach, that he tightened up in that situation. Um, you're feeling on redshirting. I, I know you always believed in redshirting your quarterbacks, and 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 hey, I also, you, you want to redshirt everybody you can. Yeah, I mean, everybody I have to. You can and not hurt your team. Yeah, and, you know, th- there's no question that the fact that he put a true freshman out there, as good as this kid is progressing and, and looks to be, and that affected the way he called the ball game. Well, the thing you have to understand is the quarterbacks are a lot different now than what were when Jim Kelly and Bernie Gosar came out of high school. They are saucered and blowed, and by that I mean uh, they're prepared. They, they, they get much better coaching in high school now than they ever got back in those those years and they've got uh they've got all of this film and all of this uh, great stuff that's now out there to train to train the skilled people uh you know it's a lot easier to uh, to train skilled people uh, without hitting each other but by going through the uh through the through the passing and the, and the pitching and the catching and the uh and the running and the cutting and uh, and the faking and all those things. So uh, it's it's uh, the you see these freshman quarterbacks. Some of them are red shirts and some of them are not. Coming into uh, the national uh, into the collegiate ranks and doing quite well, and then you see them go from uh, college into the pros and are doing a lot better than the times when uh, when quarterbacks had to have a year or two experience before they were ready to play. Now, now Bernie was a redshirt freshman when you started him at, at Florida, uh, so it's not a, a, a perfect synergy here. But when you started Bernie in Gainesville, you didn't restrict the offense. You went out and you no, let him run. Oh, no. yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We 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 went out there to win the game. Uh, 
and we, we we had a we thought we had a rock hard defense, and we did. And uh, they they didn't beat us; we beat ourselves. We had seven inter, uh, seven turnovers in that game, and still uh, still had almost four hundred yards of offense. And Florida had about two hundred yards of offense. Well, you know, so I think you and I sound like we're in agreement that Miami's lack of willingness to attack that ball game the way it needed to to compete at Louisville was the you know primary reason behind the fact that they they lost the game and conversely the oh, opposite. It. Go ahead, coach. Uh, well, you know we got it's easier easier for easier for me to second guess it, but, uh, second guess them now that uh, it's it's broken it's come out like it's come out it's become a lot more obvious that this this kid had a, had enough moxie and enough uh, 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 under his belt to go out there and play a pretty decent game and and to to try to get him uh, try to get the ball down the field and try to make some big plays. But uh, but uh, in hindsight, uh, I, I think if he would have, would have, if they had have uh, tried to challenge him more and, and rely on the defense to shut him down, if you throw an interception or so, that would be that would be uh, that would be different. Well, now conversely, the opposite happened to Miami at Nebraska. Um, at that point, the offense now has its act together and and played pretty darn well that night. Um, but the defense came out and was very vanilla, very similar to what the offense was at Louisville. And Nebraska just pounded them for 350 yards rushing, and it put a big microscope on the defensive coordinator, Mark D'Onofrio. Um, and my opinion after seeing that happen, and, and you know, I'll preface it by saying that, and, and you and I have discussed this, so I know how you feel on this subject, and we share the same opinion in, in, in an affinity for Al Golden. We both think that he potentially could be an extremely successful head coach at Miami. He has so many of the things that you need in a good head coach. Um, But my feeling was in those situations that as a head coach, he needed to step up coordinators that what was taking place on the field was not acceptable. And when it was the offense going into a shell at Louisville, he needed to tell his offensive coordinator, get the ball down the field. And when it was the defense that, was allowing Nebraska to just steamroll them and keeping safeties 12 to 15 yards away from the line of scrimmage and letting Nebraska get nine hats on seven and eight hats on seven and, and pounding out eight yards at a time, 10 yards, 14 yards on a bubble screen, almost like they're playing. A, they were, it was like they were playing a video game coach. And, and I just, and I felt that Al Golden needed to step to the forefront there and coaches coordinators. So the next thing I'm, I want, I would like for you to enlighten us with, as a guy who, who was a head coach for so many years, is how does a head coach strike that balance? Um, and when when do you know when it's time for you to step in and and make it your ball game? Well, I don't know how you how you do it, but you, that's what that's what you get paid for, and that's what, you're the guy that's in charge. You have to have total. Uh, you have to have more knowledge about the offense, more knowledge about the defense than your coordinators do. It, you know, I've always believed that the head coach has to have a, a, a Howard Snellenberger offense. You got to have a Howard Snellenberger defense. You don't have anybody else's name on either one, the offense or the defense. And uh, you're the commander in chief, and uh, you, you uh, oversee what they do. And 
obviously you get the best guys to do that that you can and guys that do what you uh, that uh, do the things that you believe in not you don't do the things that they believe in and uh and and uh that's that's the way we that's the way you i think any great coach does now you know when things go bad in football the the fans always start calling for the heads of the coaches and um you were fortunate you went through an entire career um you just had the one situation go bad at Oklahoma which I won't go into detail because you address it in the book and, 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 and people can get the ins and outs of that situation um, fr- from the book. Uh, we saw Charlie Weiss fired this week at Kansas, a guy that was so successful in the National Football League, left Bill Belichick's staff in New England, went to Notre Dame. It didn't work out there, spent a year as the offensive coordinator at Florida, and then took the head coaching job at Kansas. He was put out of work this week. You see it in the NFL. The, the Oakland Raiders fired their head coach, um, this week, what is your opinion on the heat that coaches take when things go bad with a football team? Is it fair? Um, is Mark D'Onofrio, who, who, who's become a target of the Miami fan base because of the struggles that they've had the last three years on defense, being fairly um, assaulted by the fans? Um, when, when, when fans call for head coaches' heads, uh, when teams start to lose, is that fair? Um, I'd be curious to know what your opinion is on that. Well, it's probably not fair, and it's and it's, but it's something that's go, it's going to continue to be there. But I don't, I don't think it's uh, the, the head football coach should always be the guy that's on the on the uh, on the hot seat because he's the guy that's in charge. The buck stops with him. So, uh, and and people can have their opinions. You don't want fans that don't have opinions. You want them to have opinions. But the thing you like to have is uh, is uh, people at, in the in your superiors, uh, your athletic director, and your president, and your board of trustees to uh, to uh, stand behind you as long as they possibly can to give you the best chance to uh, to win. As far as assistant coaches are concerned, I, I guess that's, they're, they're talking about talking about the wrong things when you say a coordinator is is the root of the problem. Uh, coordinators are are uh, the uh, offspring of, of the head coach, and he has to take responsibility for both the offense and the defense. Yeah, I agree with you, Coach, and, and that's why I think the next step in Al Golden's evolution um, as a head coach at this level is doing just that and, and knowing when it's time for him to step up and be the head coach and, and say, hey, it is not acceptable for our offense to be in a shell like this. It is not acceptable for us to not be playing aggressively on defense and allowing this team on the other side of the field to just steamroll us down the field. Let's give our athletes a chance to impact the game. And I think if Al Golden can make that progression in his career, Miami will start to have more successful seasons, and he'll have a very successful tenure uh, in Coral Gables. If he does not make well, that as coach, I, go ahead. Well, I think what you better preface all of that by is that the, the, the head coach is not to uh, is the, he he in taking charge. He takes charge uh, in the in the uh, meeting rooms. He takes charge in the uh, practice field. He takes charge in all the things 
and as a team, he doesn't do all this thing, uh, uh, saying uh, the, saying these things out to the public. Uh, that's that's counterproductive. But he has to be the commander in chief of, of his team, and, and he has to he has to let his people know uh, what's expected, and if they're not doing uh, what he wants them to do, and, and he's not doing it as well as he wants them to do. Uh, he has to let them know that because you put them on notice that uh, we you, we got to get better. Uh, getting out into the press with anything that has to do with those kinds of things are counterproductive, and that's what uh, that's what causes you sports writers and 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 uh, and fans to uh, to uh, incite it incites riots. What I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah, you're you're right. Um, I'll tell you else what, what else incites riots, and that's the public um, access, it, it, so to speak, through the media and through social media and video on the internet and everything else that football fans and the general public now has two football coaches. And you know, you've got press conferences every day with the head coach. You've got press conferences with the coordinators every week, the assistant coaches, and fans today are more informed than they've ever been really in the history of, of football. But We're you know, creating monsters. We're creating Absolutely. Monsters. <laughs> but one thing, Coach, that comes into conflict that I see is that you, know, you run into situations when things don't go perfect. Um, sometimes you have coaches stand up there and they'll blame themselves. Sometimes they'll blame the players and, and execution and things never like that. Never can blame the players publicly. That's number one by any, for any coach anywhere. Uh, that's a kiss of death if you start uh, berating players uh, in public. Your, your job is to correct them uh, within those confines of the team. And uh, and and you can you can you can be hard as hell on them. You can you can punish them in, uh, in certain ways, but uh, to do it outside in the in the public, you never. That uh, goes back to when our country was first, you know, first started. You know, uh, everything that's in the family stays in the family, and we 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 <laughs> we might fight like hell in the family, but we don't. We don't uh, fight outside the family. Did you ever publicly state um, to in a press conference or to media, I did a bad job this week. I, I did not coach my football team very well. Yeah, I did, and I think that's uh, apropos for a coach to uh, just tell tell the public if he thinks he, he it was his fault that you didn't win. Uh, a lot of times you 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 you, you uh, lose and 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 you're not good enough to win, but you uh, you can't you can't say that to to the public. We're not good enough to win, so you've got to you've got to uh, use judgment and and what you say. But uh, yeah, there's times that I've said that uh, I I had a bad day, and uh, Steve Spurrier I think is a good guy, a good example of a guy that. Uh, uh, that uh, tells it like it is, but he, he, he does, I think, do a little bit too much with the players. <laughs> well, you know, coaches are making more money now, Howard, than they ever have. You know, head, typical head coaches are making anywhere from two to seven million dollars a year. Don't tell um, me that. Don't tell me that. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know how crazy it's become. And coordinators, um, you know, Miami, for example, is paying their coordinators more than they ever have in history, $500,000 they're each making. Um, and, and that's not even, you know, that's just scratching the surface of what some of the coordinators in conferences like the SEC are making, where the coordinators are making a million dollars. I believe the, the defensive coordinator at Louisville is making a million dollars. Um, so, you know, salaries have gone crazy. Uh, coaches have a lot more at stake than they ever have. And do you think that that sort of um, affects the way they try to package themselves to the general public? Gee, that's a deep question. I don't know if I have enough information to answer that question. Uh, the amount of money I've made, I made a, uh, made a lot less than most coaches did. But uh, the amount of money I made didn't have any impact at all on my way I dealt with my team or with the public or with with uh, with anything. That was that was simply purely internal. Gotcha. All right. Well, I, I think um, we've touched on a, on a lot of good topics here. What I'd like to do, um, if you're willing, is, is open up the phone lines. Let's get the fans back sure. involved in the show. I, I, and I haven't talked with the people of South Florida. The fans of South Florida in a long time. All right, well, let's do it. We're going to start now. Well, this one's not from South Florida. This one's actually in area code 801. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? All right, he's gone. Let's try the Tampa area, 813. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Speak up. Hey, Gary. There you are. Who's this? Hey. Hey, it's your boy, 76, man. All right, what you got for us tonight? You got Coach Snellenberger on the line with you, too. Hey, Coach. Uh, well, I want to touch on uh, boy Herb Waters, man. I notice he hasn't been getting a lot of playing time, like, but whenever he does, he always balls out, Gary. Uh, is it because, like, uh, is he in a doghouse or whatnot? Yeah, and I'll Gary, you have to handle that. Yeah, well, I'm going to coach, but I'm going to bring you into it because I I, I think it's apropos. I mean, Herb Waters. I don't was know who you're talking out. about. Well, he's he's one of Miami's he, he's one of Miami's receivers. Um, he's he's probably about the the, the fourth best I, receiver I'm on the team. Gonna, I'm not going to be able to talk to you about individual players. But I, no, I, but, but 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 you are going to be able to talk about the subject of 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 why he wasn't playing the first few games of the year, and and the reason he wasn't was the coaching staff was not happy with his attitude. They weren't happy with the way he was practicing, and they were allowing other receivers to play. And, and, and Howard, I, you know, I think that the, the, the thing that, that is real appropriate for you to comment on here is a, as a coach and a head coach, um, how do you manage situations like that when you have a talented kid who maybe starts thinking he's a little bit better um, than what he is and, and, and isn't practicing as well as you would like to see him practice? Um, really the greatest weapon that coaches have in those situations, which I think is what Al Golden and James Coley chose to utilize here with this Herb Waters young man, was you take away playing time. Yeah, but you take enough playing time away that it's correction right now. If it doesn't correct him right now, then you you shelve him for the rest of the year. Well, in in this case, that is... You can't you can't have kids not performing at their very best. You you're better off without them. 
Well, in this case, that is what happened. Herb, Herb Waters had a, had a great game uh, last week against Duke, caught five balls for 81 yards, had a touchdown, great catch oh, great. Al- along the sideline in the end zone, and, and really impacted that game. So I- I- in this sense, I think that the, the motivational tools that the coaches used um, did impact uh, that situation quite a bit. Well, that's um, good. That's what that's what you do. We got to not performing. You don't play him, and uh, you don't play him until he performs well enough to play. No, can't, yeah. can't, can't, can't have anybody uh, you know that's not laying on the line and giving his best. Yeah. Now, um, Coach Shelley. Now, now that you say that, um, there are um, running back Gus Edwards. Like he hasn't been playing well at all this season, but he continues. We to get touches. Now, can you touch on Well, he, he's not getting many touches. He, he's only getting a handful of touches. I mean, he only carried the ball three times in the, in the Duke game, and everyone's on him because he fumbled, and it was a horrible. But you're talking about a kid um, who is your designated power back who was sitting on the, on the sideline the entire we're ball game. We're talking with fans. And then, and then he he's asked to come on the field in the fourth quarter. He's totally cold and and pound the ball out as they're killing the clock. And he got careless and he and he dropped the ball on the ground. And um, you know, coach, I I'd like to ask you a question on this one too. I mean, Miami utilizes a lot of role players, and 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 they they try to create roles um for for everybody. And I think Al Golden's philosophy is he wants a football team where as many guys as possible are involved in, in, in game, in the game plan each week to keep them engaged, try to increase the level of intensity and attention in, in practice. And, um, you know, sometimes it's great. I'm of the opinion that when you get into your bigger ball games against better teams and you're sitting there, say, trying to prepare 22 players, um, say to play defense that week, that that's just too many, and and it puts an incredible burden on the assistant coaches to get that many guys ready to play a ball game. Um, give me your opinion on that subject, and in this specific case, we're talking about a running back who's a third-team running back um, who is the designated power back on this team who would go into the game on third and one, third and two, and get those tough yards, who's now asked late in the fourth quarter to come on the field for the first time in the ball game uh, pretty much, and and carry the football, and he, and he got careless, and he, and he left it on the ground. Well, the only thing I can say is that uh, I never, I've, I was never in a position, and I don't know of anybody, any coaches that I've been around that were in a position uh, to have two people, uh, two people ready to play in every position. You usually play with about. Uh, 18 on uh, offense and about, uh, uh, you know, 11, 14, 15 on defense. And, uh, you know, those are your best players. You go play with them. I agree. And, and, and I and I think, and again, this is my opinion, that this is why Miami is losing almost every ball game that it plays against quality opponents. I think well, I think too- I think what I think what's going on is this new offense that that is out there, this red offense where they where they uh get, try to get as many plays as they can get run in a in a game. And uh and uh and and to do that you gotta keep people fresh is the thinking. And uh and uh 
a lot of times you you know you're you're not playing with your best guys, but you're playing with trying to keep everybody fresh. Uh, we never we never we, we back in, in in the old school it was a matter of uh, getting eleven guys out there that could uh, move the ball and uh, each have a a, a backup uh, you know like a tackle for both tackle positions and have three running backs and have three receivers. And go with it, but uh, we we huddled up and, and took our time. Uh, sure, we had uh, two minute drills, and we had uh, a lot of times when we went no huddle and did it for a portion of the game. So it's a different game now, and I'm I've been out of it now three years, and go from there. Well, you know, I think clearly defensively, um, you have to substitute on the defensive line. I don't think there's any question about that. Those are your bigger guys. Um, they're not going to be able to sit there and play yeah, every, they every single be, day. They ought to be in shape. They ought to be in shape. They ought to be uh, where they can play a whole game if they have to play a whole game. But, uh, I, but you know, in the yeah, specialized yeah, yeah. world, you, you know, you bring in your pass rushers on third down. Um, you know, I think everybody in football has those one or two guys that come in on third down and yeah. to rush the passer and stuff like that. But what, what I'm talking about, coaches, they're playing five or six cornerbacks. Um, you know, there's 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 con- they're, they're playing four safeties. There's there's constant substitution. Nobody's getting into the flow of the game. And I believe that they are shooting themselves in the foot when they get into games against quality competition because I don't know. And, and you could tell me, can an assistant coach? Uh, assistant co- and, and a coaching staff get that well I think you answered the question get that many kids you know mentally engaged and ready to play uh, when you're going against a team that might be better than you or as good as you well I, I'm, I'm going to have to just beg off on this I think where you're getting into an area that uh, with this new style offense and defense is it's a different game and uh we're trying. They're trying to wear each other down, and uh, think that uh, that's the best way to make the to make the thing go. All right. Did you have um? Did you have anything else for us tonight? Uh, no. Uh, All right. Well, hey, uh, I like to shout out to the Wiz and uh, my boy Digger. He's. We're going to get back to it. Uh, All right. Hey. You, they, they, Thanks, thanks for being part of the show tonight. All right, let's go out now to the six seven eight, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Uh, good evening, Gary. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. You're on. I uh, uh, just want to say it's an honor to be on the show with uh, Coach Schellenberger tonight. Will you please be quiet? <laughs> Coach. Hello? Coach is being coach is being interrupted right now. Go ahead. He's honored to be on the show with you too. Go ahead. Did you have a question? Uh, yes. You guys kind of stole my thunder. Where I was mainly going to call about and talk about uh, leadership and accountability uh, upon the program and the uh, coaching staff. Um, Gary, you've mentioned uh, numerous and especially uh, the past couple of weeks about Golden stepping up to being a head coach, and uh, that's kind of bothering some because we're talking about a guy learning to win at this level and then you're talking about teaching kids, recruiting uh, individuals to trying to learn at this level. And I, and to me, I see where there's a problem there. 
because you got two people who who apparently have never who don't know how to win at this level. Well, and, uh, all right, let, 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 let's say this first. I mean, there's a difference between coaching at Temple and coaching at Miami. Okay, so there exactly. there is an adjustment. And, you know, I thought Coach Golden did step up this past week, and he was going through a tough time. His wife was in the hospital. But from what I heard, he spent an enormous number of hours in the film room with his defensive coordinator um, determined to get that defense fixed, and they played much better against Duke. So if, if, if that's a progression for him, he certainly made it. Um, but let me ask Coach Snellenberger to comment. Um, a coach coming, you know, it, let's, let, you know, talking about Al Golden, was an assistant coach for several years, had a stop in, in Virginia, um, parlayed that into the head coaching job at Temple, where he got notice because he did a nice job in making Temple competitive within its level of football. Um, they, they weren't beating Penn State. They, you know, they, they weren't ready for the big boys. But he, he brought that program to the point where at their level, they could win nine games in a season. And Miami gave him the head coaching job on that resume. And the question I have for you, Coach, is when a coach makes a move like that, how big of a difference is it for a head coach to go from being the coach at Temple to being the coach at Miami? And how big of a learning curve is that? Well, it's different, and uh, but he's certainly got enough background, and he's got enough uh, intelligence, and he's got all the right stuff that uh, that he can be successful at the University of Miami. And I think uh, he's done a great job from, from the time he's got there to the time he is right now. And uh, he's brought it, uh, he's held it together when it was very hard to hold together, and uh, he's, he's brought a team up to uh, the, the point it is now. Uh, what what he does from this this uh, state this point in time to to into uh, this year will you know judge whether he's going to be successful or not. But he's he's uh, he, he he has enough experience. He has enough know how. He has enough uh, ability to recruit, and he's uh, put put the, the, this team into a position where. They 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 they're competitive. I know he's had a, a tough, uh, you know, some tough games here in the last several years. But um, what a difference a game makes! He had, he had this great game this past week. He comes out and has another great game. Hell, he's on it. He's back up and running again. Is there a big difference between coaching at a school like Temple and coaching at a school like Miami? It's different. Every every school is different. Whether you're going from from going from LSU to to a uh, University of Alabama, or you're going from uh, uh, Arkansas to uh, Oklahoma, it's different. But uh, you you get enough experience wherever you are, and and, and generally speaking, you have a pretty good chance. You got to remember that uh, every coach that ever has ever coached is uh, probably be fired sometime. So it, it, it's uh, you know it's it's what we take on is when we we take a uh, we uh, take a take the hit, uh, take the coaching job. All right, All right. Do you have anything else what? for coach tonight, or any other questions? Uh. I just want to say this, you know, um, you know, everybody wants to, uh, you know, kind of jump on Golden about firing Martin Ofio. and I just want to say this, you know, I've seen this story before with best best friends working together. I'm from Georgia, 
and Mark Rick did the same thing where with his best friend, uh, Mark uh, Willie Martinez, and um, you know he struggled. You know, and a lot of fans wanted him to get rid of him. Eventually, he did have to do that. But I think you know, like you said, sometimes uh, it you know the coach has to step up and make tough decisions. But you do, you you definitely have to give him the uh, the benefit of uh, making it through the season to see if he can uh, change and adapt along the way before you can uh, make any uh, swift moves uh, going forward. But um, you know, shout out to them for uh, for the for the win at Duke, and let's hope that we can uh, make some improvement going forward. These these kids. All right, thanks for being part of the show tonight. Keep me on hold, please. Coach, another great another great subject for for you to comment on. I mean, well, for starters, you coached Mark Richt and you coached Willie Martinez, and um, you know they were very close friends. And, and Mark Richt hired Willie to be his defensive coordinator at, at Georgia. Uh, they had some good moments. They had some bad moments. Um, your opinion as a head coach: Can you hire somebody that is a close personal friend? to work under you, particularly in a coordinator role, and, and how does how do you strike the balance between being a boss and being a best friend? Well, first of all, you, you usually hire people that are your best friends. You uh, you look for people that uh, have, uh, that you know and can trust. So, uh, no, I don't think there's any downside at all in the, uh, hiring people that you have known and, uh, and uh, respect. And uh, you have to treat them, treat everybody, each coach, the coach with the same kind of uh, um, firmness and the same kind of rule book that you do anyplace else. Uh, do you think? Do you I'm think it's difficult? To, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to uh, shut this down now. Um, Can we go back to the book you, for a couple minutes? I, yeah, I yeah let's ask go back you, to the book. Yeah, let's go back to the book for for about five minutes. I, there were there were a few, a few things that that I wanted to ask you about. Um, in the book, and um, particularly the chapter "Building Swagger at the U," which um, goes into great detail about your time at, at Miami. And um, one of the things that that really struck me um, as I was reading it, it, it was you, you mentioned your your first salary at the University of Miami, which was fifty thousand dollars with thirty five thousand dollars in incentives. So you know. Back then, eighty-five thousand dollars was what you were hired um, to coach at Miami, which you know, which is about what you know what they make in a, in, in about a week, about a week now. And um, you know, uh, well, curious. Let's, to, let's go to, back to, now. Let's go back now and, and say that, that that was that was a low salary for coaches, but that wasn't uh, that wasn't the lowest. Uh, uh, all all coaches' salaries were 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 much lower back in those days. Has it kind of like stunned you as the the salaries have gone up through the years? Yeah, but uh, I have no problem with that. Even though I, you know, I've never made the money that a lot of coaches have made. But that's that's not that's we we uh, we sign our contracts. We uh, we we that's our that's what we that's what we signed on for, and that's what we live with. And uh, and. Like everything in life, uh, you're worth what the market will bear, and uh, and as this, as this the great game of American college football continues to expand and grow, more and more people are going to the games, and uh, and uh, 
there's more available money for the universities to uh, to uh, reward their their coaches uh, with, and uh, so no, I have no problem with any of that. Moving on in the chapter, I I paused at at the paragraph that begins. I unveiled plans for a 4.8 million dollar, 42,000 seat stadium on campus. 4.8 million dollars, okay, was was what you were trying to get the University of Miami to spend on an on-campus that football right, stadium. That was right at the beginning. That was right at the beginning. It went up. That price went up when, uh, we, as 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 the university didn't move on it, we would continue to expand, and uh, uh, the thing probably would have cost seven or eight million. Uh, if we would have built it in '83, but you know, but but, but my God, Coach, I mean, you know, you, talk, they, you people talk about all the attendance problems and perception problems that that this program is still facing here all these years later, uh, and, and to think that they could have built an on-campus stadium for for under five million dollars and, and chose not to do it, um, I thought that that was just staggering. no. They, they, that's not that's not why they they chose not to do it. There's there's some deep more deep rooted thing that 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 has kept them from building a stadium on campus. And what the what those what those things are, I don't know. Uh, gee, we, uh, that, uh, I, we did the same thing at Louisville at Louisville, and we were able to. Get, get us, get us to build a. We were able to build a stadium up there for about eighty-five million, and uh, and uh, that's what is that's what it, that has caused the University of Louisville to be able to compete at this high level now, and uh, makes them think that they can win the national championship. And he, even here at Florida Atlantic, uh, we we started out with a very similar kind of a plan. And in the in the eleventh year of our existence, we finally got our uh, eighty million dollar stadium built that uh, will hold thirty thousand people now, but can be expanded to forty thousand and then later on to sixty five thousand. But the stadiums on our campus on campuses are just you know it's, where, it's why the great game of American football was started was to to uh, bring bring people back to the campuses, bring the alumni back, bring the faculty and staff and, and everyone to to the campuses. Started up there in the Ivy Leagues and uh, then went down to the Big Ten and then jumped across to the West Coast. And, and that's how it all came together. Now, you know, you go through your time at Miami in the book, which obviously culminated in the national championship. Um, you go into detail about the decision-making process in in taking that job with the United States Football League, the problems that you were having um, with President Tad Foote, and it's it's captivating reading for anybody out there that gets a chance to get this book and and read about it. And then I I come to to this section, and, you know, whenever people write books, you know, Howard, you know, you always learn new things that, um, or, or things get better explained and, 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 and feelings come out. And, and I got to commend you for the candor that you uh, wrote with in, in several segments of this book. And nowhere was that more prevalent than when I get to this follow this following um, uh, series of, of paragraphs. And I want to just take a few seconds and, and, and read it for the people so they could see 
um, what I'm talking about. Jimmy Johnson came in from Oklahoma State two weeks after I left. He had a lot of success at Miami, but he was a big disappointment to me on two fronts. He tarnished the image of the school, and he would turn out to be an ingrate. He's the kind of guy who tears down a pyramid so no one can remember who preceded him. He trashed me, and he did it to Tom Landry and Don Shula, too, when he took over the Cowboys and then the Dolphins. At least in my case, Johnson didn't have anything to do with moving me out of the job. He just wanted the offices scrubbed of my image once he accepted the position. The staff I left behind was protective enough of my legacy that they took offense and they made sure to let me know. And then you go on to talk about other things, but um, fairly safe to say that Jimmy Johnson is not on Howard Schnellenberger's Chris, Christmas card list. No, I, I, I wrote that specifically because I uh, felt that that was a that was an insult to the university and to me, and that uh, I I wanted to make sure it, that it was it was printed. Well, it, it, you know, like I said, very captivating reading, and you know, so many parts of this book are so. You know, for those of you out there, it's called "Passing the Torch: Building Winning Football Programs with a Dose of Swagger." Along the way, it, it, it's Howard Schnellenberger's memories of, of a coaching career that go you know, back through some of the greatest names in football history. And I'm sure you'll find it to be entertaining reading if you can get a copy. Um, Coach, before you go, fill us in on the book signings that you have coming up in the South Florida area. Well, we're going to have uh, signings uh, uh, down here uh for the next two months and we'll be we'll be announcing those places uh through the media um that be barnes and noble uh down in miami we're going to be down at the uh the uh miami uh sports festival uh those will be coming out uh, so the people can see where we'll be and when we'll be there do you have a favorite chapter in the book before i let you go no, I don't think so. I think it. Uh, I, I'm pleased with uh, the things we wrote in there. As I said, we took two years to write it. Uh, we probably could have gotten it out in uh, a year and a half, but we wanted to make sure it was uh, correct. We wanted to make sure it was uh, it was uh, compelling, and uh, I think we I think we got it there. Well, Coach, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for being part of this show tonight, and, um, and and thank you also for giving us this book and 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 allowing us to to see your perspective on so many things that are so important, um, not just to the Miami Hurricanes fans, but people all throughout college football that have followed your career. And um, you know, thank you very much for for writing the book, and, and and thank you for being with us here tonight. Well, thanks for the opportunity to speak to your fans. Take care. All righty, Coach. We'll talk soon. That's Howard Schnellenberger. And uh, like I said, the book is Passing the Torch. And it's, I think it's $25 at Barnes & Noble online. And um, they're doing a second printing right now. Any of you guys out there to get a chance, um, I highly recommend it. All right. We've got an hour and a half of show left. Time to get back to the phones. Um, and um, let's go out to 706, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, how you doing? This is Sebastian down from Georgia, man. How are you? Great show so far. Doing good, man. How you doing? 
I'm doing pretty we, good. It was so entertaining just listening to Howard Schnellenberger. I can't thank awesome, him enough for actually helping us build uh, this great program that we really, really love called the University of Miami. Yeah, I hope we didn't get him in any trouble, man. We, you know, we 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 asked him some tough questions, but you know, there's a lot of things that we've been talking about on this show for the last month, and it's one thing for me to give you my opinions, um, but you know, I, I thought it was it, it was a great opportunity um, to get some opinions from a guy who has spent his life in coaching and, and see what his thoughts are on some of these issues. And um, the scary thing is, he and I agree on pretty much everything, um, but. Um, I, I just thought it was a great opportunity for us to get his insights. Yeah, he was, he was just spot on. And, you know, just what he's done over his lifespan, just from, you, from the University of Miami to Louisville to FAU, I mean, it's amazing. It's great when you can do it for just one program, but when you have your hand in the three, it's just absolutely just amazing. So I really, really appreciate just hearing him. And, and I just want to, I don't know if he's still on the line, but definitely want to thank him for doing all what he's what he's done for the University of Miami and uh, just for South Florida in general because uh, the U is represented nationwide and, you know, he was he was able to do it, you know, and he made it happen. I remember being a little kid, you know, in elementary school and, you know, just it was amazing how we won that national championship back in uh, 1983. I just – I remember just staying up all night and just can't, couldn't believe the fact that, you know, we actually won it, you know. just awesome. Uh, I totally agree. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about tonight? There, there was a couple of things I wanted to say. First of all, you know, I was the one that, you know, predicted that we'll beat Nebraska, and we didn't. I predicted that we were going to lose to Duke, and we didn't. So I'm not doing too well. But I want to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff because they dealt with a lot after that week to uh, after that week of losing to Nebraska to get those kids focused and put together for them to come out there and uh, really, really fight hard to get that win over Duke, which is a much-needed win. Uh, one of the other points I wanted to make, it was just so great to see Herb Waters playing. I know he was in the doghouse, and I've been asking you what's going on with number uh, number six, but hopefully he's working his way back out, and um, he'll just continue to improve and give us another weapon uh, in the uh, in our offense. Let me say something real quick in that regard. You know, the coaches take so much heat on this show, um, particularly, obviously, when the team loses. But this is one place where you got to give them a ton of credit. You know, they weren't happy with what they were getting out of Herb Waters. Uh, they sent their message. They did a great job um, getting his head back together. And then they rewarded him. And they put him in the game plan in a big-time way. And he had a great game against Duke. And I think now you could see Herb Waters – probably build off of that the rest of the season yeah and what i love about her waters i mean he has a little swagger that we we're kind of used to i mean if he makes a play i mean he really really knows how to you know follow his you know he brings that energy that i can see that the team kind of feeds off of you know and um you know i'm just hoping that you know he continues to progress and and do the right thing and we won't hear any other incidents where you know he's kind of regressed and, and that particular department. The point I wanted to make was, you know, I've been sold on Brad Kaya from before he even got to the U. I said, that's our next Peyton Manning. And to, for that guy to be a true freshman and to look through his progressions and to find Joseph Urey on that 47-yard touchdown pass, who knew that he was actually in the play and actually in the formation? I mean, I mean to hit him in stride, to hit him with, you know, pressure uh, kind of coming to him was just absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal. And if you could just comment on that, and I'll give you my last question, then I'll be done. 
yeah, I mean, Kaya is, is so far beyond his years and the way he's progressing. And, and he and James Coley have a great connection. And, and I think that you're seeing that really come to the forefront on game day. And uh, I think you're going to continue to see Kaya get better. I, I think when, when you see him struggling in games, it's because teams are throwing wrinkles at him that uh, you know they're, they're coming up with schemes that he didn't get to prepare for during the week, and, and it's confusing him a little bit. But as he sees more and more of them and, and Coley continues to coach him, I think you're going to see that become managed even better. And um, Coach Coley uh, took a, a lot of shots for his play calling in the Louisville game, um, justifiably so. Uh, you heard what Howard Schnellenberger thought about it tonight. But, you know, on the flip side, since that night, he has been phenomenal. He's calling games great. He's doing a great job with Kaya. And I, I think James Coley is showing you that he could be a very good offensive coordinator at this level, um, despite all the heat he took about opening night, which, which was deserved. He had a bad night at the office. Okay. My last question is, you know, we're kind of concerned about the defense on the offensive linemen that we kind of lost over the last couple of weeks. I mean, are we going to be – do we have enough talent to kind of hold up for the rest of the season in that particular area to be effective to where we can win the Coastal? I mean, there's really nobody on the schedule that I absolutely feel like we have absolutely no shot of winning. I mean, I think we have enough talent to be successful in that area, but do you think we have enough to kind of hold up to kind of take us through the end of the year? And uh, what's up with Treyon Gray? Um, well, first, let me say, um, I think talent on the offensive line is is, is going to be a problem if they if they don't get at least one of those two guys back. Um, I, I thought it was one of the thinnest areas on the team coming into the season. I think losing um, two guys that, that that you're counting on to play a lot of football um, is now starting to make it pretty thin there. And when you have to throw Nick Linder out on the field as a starting left guard, a true freshman who's a little undersized and um, you know, I, I think that that could be a little problematic. So, yes, I do think that it could be a factor. Is it a big enough factor to cost the team a ball game that it should win? Um, I think we have to wait and see um, how the offense performs going forward and, and if offensive line play becomes an issue because you're also taking Feliciano from left guard and moving him over to right tackle. So there's a exactly. lot of – yeah, you're, you're, you're shaking up that offensive line quite a bit. So, um, I, I, you know, I don't think we know the answer to that, to that question yet. Trayon Gray, no issues at all. You got to remember, came in late, <laughs> didn't didn't have spring practice, didn't have uh, off season workouts, was way behind the eight ball starting out, and he's got three running backs ahead of him. And uh, you know, I don't. The only issue that I would say exists with Trayon Gray is I thought he should have redshirted, and instead, I don't. He obviously is not. So um, we got to we got to we got to we got to redshirt these guys. Oh, we got to let him play. Because the next time I see Guts Edwards on a third and short and we don't make it, I'm just going to absolutely lose it. I mean, it ain't working You guys working aren't being fair it. to Gus Edwards. You guys are not being fair to Gus Edwards. He had a great training camp. He He's way, much improved this year over what he was last year. He was asked the other night to go on the field late in the fourth quarter after sitting on the sideline for three and a half hours and carry the football, and he, and he got careless, and he fumbled, okay? And – you know, yeah, it was a horrible play. Uh, you know, obviously not something that he's proud of. But the fans are being way too hard on Gus Edwards and making him way too big of a focal point. 
All right. I'll I'll take that as a fair one. Hey, Gary, I just want to say great show. Thank you. I really, really enjoyed it. Just let me know something good on the recruiting front that I could be kind of excited about going into next year. But uh, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of keep me on hold. I'm just really, really enjoying the show. You got it, man. Thanks for being part of it. All right. All right. 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048 is the number. We're going out now to the 813, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Gary. I'm doing good. Who's this? <laughs> uh, this is Andre from Tampa, 813. What you say, Andre? Hey, what you got for us tonight? Man, look here. Uh, I got three things. On recruiting, I'm telling y'all, um, this quarterback from Hillsboro, y'all watch out for him next year. I'm I know Brad Kai is the man, but I'm telling y'all, this guy is the truth. My nephew plays on his team for Hillsboro. This guy is the truth. He's We call him Baby Cam Newton. So I'm just telling y'all fans now who's out there listening, this quarterback is the truth. He going to get Brad Kai a run for his money this year. I'm just telling y'all this. Well, they, they need the quarterback position to get better, so um... – you know, hopefully he st- he sticks in the recruiting class um, uh, and 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 does exactly what you're saying. Um, yeah, I'm telling you, it's, uh, I know the Gators right now are trying to come after him. The Gators, uh, you say some other team, UCL. I'm, I'm this guy. I mean, he, I know he was that big, you know. And um, so when I went to go see him. This guy, he, he got to be about six five. 220 and run, he got to run a 444540. This guy moves. Wait, yeah, he, he's actually 66. Oh, he we might, measured I'm him. Telling you, Gary, I'm telling you, Gary, this, he got an arm. And and what I like about him, I mean, if you look at him and Brad, it, the offense that uh, Coley is running, it fits him. But this guy, what he going to give, he going to give a running quarterback. And he don't look fast, but it seems like his long strides is covering yards. I'm just telling anybody, all the fans out there, my fans, I'm telling y'all, if we could keep this guy, y'all won't even think about uh, that quarterback down at Gibson. I'm um, telling you, this guy's the truth. I'm telling well, they're, they're, not recruiting Gibson a, they're not recruiting Gibson as a quarterback. And that's probably a big part of the reason, you know. And yeah. the big issue is going to be, like you said, people are going to come after Dwayne Lawson. It's an easy pitch. Why would you want to go to Miami when Brad Kaya's got the job for at least two more years? Um, yeah. But, but you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if he does stick in the class. Uh, that's what they're saying. I, I'm just saying my, my nephew there, he, he's – I was telling him, I said, man, we got to keep this quarterback. I want to talk to him. Or approach him like that, but I just stood there and looked at him play. And I'm telling you, if the coaches are, you know, you know they got a quarterback coming in. Brad Kai is there, and and stuff. Hey, all I got three questions. I'll make it quick. Uh, the Ryan Williams situation. I, I know nobody want to talk about, but what's up with Ryan Williams? If they gonna try to save him, or what? What are they gonna do with Ryan Williams? Well, if, if I were Ryan Williams' father. If I were James Coley, I would sit Ryan Williams down. I would say, "Look, Ryan, you know, you you got screwed. It, it was a bad situation. You got hurt late in spring practice, and now Brad's got the job and he's doing great. We're not sitting them down. 
Okay, but you could still have a lot of value to this football program. And I've got Jay Keeps sitting over here that that could be the backup quarterback for this year. If Brad Kaya were to get hurt and we are still in contention for the ACC, then we would consider putting you in the ball game. If not, we would like for you to apply for a medical red shirt coming off your injury, oh. which we which which we believe would get approved, and you can have great value to this football team in 2015 as a veteran presence at quarterback. And you might not beat out Brad Kaya in spring and fall, and he he may continue to be our starting quarterback, but you can have great value to this program, even if it's as the backup. You can continue to learn more football. Ryan Williams wants to be a coach one day. That's one thing. The other thing you can do, Ryan, is you could continue to enhance your education at the University of Miami. And if you got one graduate degree, get a second and and you know set yourself right. up for your life with a free education from the University of Miami. So that if if that were my son or he was a yeah. kid that I was coaching, that would be what I would be telling him. Now, you know, what Ryan Williams wants to do, there has been no indications whatsoever that that's the way he's thinking, but you're now almost halfway through the season and at some point um, he is going to have to come to the realization that this is not going to be the year that he expected it to be. And, and, and that's what I'm looking at. I mean, is because I know he could, I mean, bringing him back next year, I think that kind of will hurt the team if he's trying to challenge for playing. You know what I mean? Or uh, he's challenging Kai for the starting quarterback position. I think, I mean, I think that will hurt Brian Kai because it's now – He's no longer the focus of the team. It'd be him and Ryan Williams again. So I think that you know, if if, if Ryan Williams go do anything, they need to just go ahead and say, okay, we're gonna put you in for this series. We're gonna do this, or just try to get it over with. Because if they go, if if bringing him back next year, I think it will hurt. It will hurt. The, I mean, just the thing of Brad Kai, and it might it hurt him too in the long run. Because, well, what's I mean, wrong with having a veteran backup? Because Ryan Williams came to Miami to play. He wants he sat behind he 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 he, he, he had to sit out a year. Then he had to play behind Stephen Morris. This was his. I think one thing I'm saying this was his dream to play for the Miami, be out there on the field with the teammates and and be the starting quarterback. I mean, even if, if that don't happen. In his mindset, he might say, man, I'm going to try to come back next year if I could do that. I mean, he's, he's, he's that competitive. He might be competitive like that. He might say, he, he may I want to be, be the star. He may not be willing to do what I said. I'm just telling you what I would do. If, if I were his father right. or if I were coaching him, that's what I would say to him. Okay. Um, I, what this other? Hey, um, another thing is um, watching the game, okay, um, Duke didn't look that impressive. You know what I mean? But it's a win. I'm proud of the win. I'm glad to win. But I think I'm looking for our coaches to be aggressive with the teams that we should, you know, the more competitive teams. I mean, like we may look at Virginia Tech and say, well, they're not, they're not good this year. But I'm looking for them to say, okay, we're going to go and just pound Virginia Tech. I want that killer instant at, like, okay, we got them down. Let's just put our foot on the throats and just go and get rid of them. It seems like our team just, like, if they 
they they they out there, but then it seems like they let the team hangs around. There's no that killer in them to say we're gonna just go and get rid of. Them. So do you 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 believe they they play that well? You you know, you think they got that killer in them? Um, I think you started to see more of it last week. Don't don't you? Uh, well, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe I thought I I, I ain't see it. Well, I mean, I, I, I think yeah, I think you saw it turn the corner last week, and obviously this week, right? Um, it needs to continue to go up a notch. All right, you got anything else yeah. tonight? That's it, man. Great show, man. Right. Keep it going. All right, man. Hey, thank yeah, thanks for being part of it. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go now to the um, the nine eight five. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey, Gary. How you doing? Swagger for life here from uh, the Kane Sport boards. What's up, Swagger? How you doing this evening? Oh, doing okay. Doing okay. Just want to say uh, it was nice having uh, Coach Snellenberg on the show. Uh, obviously, a Miami Hurricane legend. Go to you. Uh, good to hear he's doing well, and hopefully he sells a lot of books. A um, couple of things. Uh, I got lambasted uh, after the Nebraska game um, from some of the lunatic fan base uh, for, you know, the stuff about coming out and firing Coach Golden, and you said it right, the coaches take a lot of heat after losses, and obviously that was a big game. And, um, I wanted to win as bad as anybody, but uh, and just for everybody out there, Coach Golden isn't going nowhere. Um, I'm still getting hit by that. Um, there's no way the administration or Blake James fires him after the past three years. So I just wanted to put that argument to bed. Um, there was a question on here about Stacy Coley. Uh, what's wrong with Stacy Coley to me is that James Coley hasn't really used him well enough in the first, you know, first five games. Um, it, the kid's basically been catching bubble screens, you know, when he's on the field. Uh, that go route that he dropped the other night at Duke was basically his first route that I've seen him run all year because basically they've got him at the line of scrimmage and he's not do, he's not going anywhere. He's running hitches. So I mean, is that an excuse? No, but get the kid in the game, get the kid into the into the you know into the program into the offense, and I think you'll see him come out of that this little little stutter that he's in, um, and you know he'll he'll pick it up. I think uh, you'll the, see that. You know, I think they're they're going to want to come back to him this week and build his confidence. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Stacy Coley at Georgia Tech play the role that Herb Waters played last week and have a big ball game. Yeah, I, I'm expecting I'm expecting six to eight catches out of Coley this week at Georgia Tech, and I'm also expecting a big win at Georgia Tech uh, this week. I know they went to Blacksburg, I know they beat them, but at the same time, that defense is terrible. I expect Paul Johnson to have a few more wrinkles in his offense, but we've done well, you know, the past five years against Georgia Tech. I, I think we'll handle them this year, and it's not, you know, people are still, you know, questioning D'Onofrio. I put my trust in Denzel Perriman and Olsen Pierre and Anthony Ciccolo and those guys, those seniors on the field on defense. Um, I think that Nebraska loss was kind of a wake-up call to those guys. I think Golden touched on it today in his press conference when he said, you know, we'll see what they, you know, he, he kind of made a little mention of, you know, we'll see if we've learned, you know, come Georgia Tech. I think, I think like I said, I think those guys after that Nebraska game, I saw the look in those kids' eyes. I think they've had enough, um, you know, the whole candy cane uh, thing and all that. I, I just I think there's a different attitude and mentality from those guys, those leaders on that defense. And, yeah, you know, D'Onofrio did make adjustments, and 
you know, he improved in the Duke game. But uh, but I, I just think that on the field, I, I think that those guys have taken ownership of that now, and I think we'll see a better defense going forward. Um, couple of Gotta more be things, consistent. and I'll let it go. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Got to be consistent, but I think I think we'll see that. I think we'll see it. Um, a couple other things. Uh, I mean, I'm da- I'm kind of down. I'm still down on James Coley a little bit. I know we're making plays, but the offense just seems vanilla. And what I mean by that is, I mean, I know Brad Kai is the man, and he's going down the field, but he's going down the field with these throws. You know, basically it's either a go route or it's a hitch route, and that's it. I mean, you don't see any square ends. You don't see... You know, the flag routes. I mean, those two long bombs that he they, had to Herb Waters and Dorsett were go routes. You know, The first pass of the last two games have been square ins over the middle. I mean, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I, you know, I, I think that they're, they're moving him along at a rate that's just incredible for a true freshman. You know, the thing that they've been running into is defensive coordinators are throwing, throwing some schemes at them that, they're, that he's just not ready for. I mean, up in Nebraska – they whipped out a, a, a zone defense that they had never, ever used, ever. And, you know, so obviously he hadn't practiced against it and, and certainly wasn't prepared to see it in the game. And then Duke mm-hmm. sees that on film, and then they come out last week, and on third down, they were throwing their own wrinkles at him that he wasn't prepared for. And they started running a defense that they hadn't run in, in, in I think, like three years or something. So, um you know, teams are, are are loading up the best they can against them, and he's holding up pretty darn well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you yeah, be yeah. Brad Kai, yeah, Brad Kai is unbelievable. That guy is. I mean, we all know that. You know, we we all see the games. What he's yeah, done, he's he's, he's, he's unbelievable like because the, yeah. because the guy coaching him is doing an unbelievable job too. I mean. You know, I mean, criticizing the coaches is, is like a sport in this fan base, and and lots of times it's justified. But man, you you got to like go the other way too. And and when these guys yeah. are doing, when they're doing well, it's, you got to give them credit. And and James Coley it, is doing a, a great it, job. You know, it's a hangover, Gary, from that Louisville game. I w- God, I wanted them to come out, you know, with Brad Kai, and I know it's his first start and on the road, but he, Coach Nellenberger was right. You know, you go out there. I think we lost them. <laughs> All right, sorry about that. All right, um, let's go out now to the four eight four. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's going on, Gary? It's Philly. How's it going? Hey, what's up, Philly? How you doing tonight? Hey, uh, man, I, I just can't believe like that dude attacked our best coordinator, like probably the best OC we had this program since Chud was here. I'm like, okay. You could you I mean you could I, I criticize Golden and D'Onofrio, but I give credit credit due. And Coley, you know, even last year against UNC, when Morris was struggling, he went away from the passing game and started pounding it. Um, with Crawford, we won that game. Even this last game, you know, he was they do kept their safeties deep, you know, keep everything from over the top and keep like the middle open when he protected Kaya and, and saw that we were gashing Duke. So he went to the run game and, you know, started to pound them in the run game and set up, and set up that pass, which led to that big uh, reception by a year be later on in the game. You know, he's been calling a really good game. I mean, even in the beginning, he, he, he does what good coordinators do. You get your quarterback in the rhythm. You know, you call little simple hitch routes, little, little, little crosses, you know, easy, easy pieces over the middle, 
to get your QB in a rhythm so that we should call like more complicated routes against different defenses is not big for them. They're kind of like an already passing rhythm. Their footwork is good. Their dropbacks are good. Their sets are good. He game plans for Duke. They come out. They get 173 yards of offense in the first quarter. And now, you know, who does better than that? That's the thing. Like, I don't I don't even blame him. I don't even, like, you know, I can – yeah, Louisville was a bad game. But at the end of the day, I mean, you have, you have to put it on, you know, Coley may have called conservative, but who's the, who's the head coach? You know, like, one thing I look at – one thing I look at is we do a lot of subbing. And it's not just offense but defense. We'll come out and you'll have, like, Herb Waters. You'll have Herb, you have Dorsett, and then you'll have, you know, Malcolm Lewis. And then second down – you know, here comes Damari Jones and um, and, and Barrios. Why? Yeah, it's Why? Crazy. I've never – I agree. First down, your safeties are Crawford and Bush. Second down, here comes Fentress and, you know, somebody else. Why? Yeah, I don't it, – it's not my style either, you know. But, it's like let, but, let your players get into a rhythm. That, that This is why the offense may struggle sometimes. That's why your defense may struggle because you don't allow your players to get in a rhythm. Why are you taking out Kamalu, you know, or, um, you know, any defense or, or Tyreek McCord, and then you're going, to, you're going to throw Trent Harris in there and let him get just, let him get just bulldozed? It makes no sense. I'm like, what is that? Like, like, I understand you don't keep people up here as fresh, but you don't have to fill people at, at 14 minutes in the first quarter. That's not keeping them fresh. Well, but, you know, there is a method to the madness. You know, I, I when you see them bring in Damari Jones, and I'm trying to remember who else came in in that package, um, it, it was for the purpose of blocking on the bubble screen. Now, obviously, Duke didn't know that coming into the game, so they're not tipping the scheme. But when they brought those guys in, they did it for the purpose of getting bigger bodies on those cornerbacks and, and kids that maybe are a little bit more physical blocking in the run game and trying to spring the receiver on the, on the bubble screen. So that sometimes, you know, there is a method to the madness at, at times. Um, but, but, you know, but to, me, listening... to me, it's like you're, you're, taking, you're taking your players out of a rhythm. You want to run that, that bubble screen, run it with Malcolm and with, and with, um, run it with Malcolm and with Waters on that side. You know, let them, like, like demand better from your players. You know, don't just well, say, you know, okay, well, you know, Demari, I agree. Demari, Demari knows this set. Demari knows this set better, and Braxton knows this set. No, demand better from your players. I mean, that, that's, that's one thing That's one thing I, I think that hurts us on defense because, like, one thing I'm, I'm, I'm figuring out, we're trying to run we're trying to run our defense like a Seattle Seahawks-type defense, but, but you, need a, you need a certain type of player to be able to run that. You know, if you look at their defense, a lot of their guys, were like fourth and fifth and sixth and, and, and fifth year seniors, you know that they came they came out of school. Jacksonville was the same defense. Gus Bradley is a heck of a defensive coordinator, but if you play fantasy football, you're starting your quarterback against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense every week. I mean, because you need you need special players. And the thing about with our players is we're we're not preparing them, we're not redshirting them, and like like for example, My, Michael White, he came in late, he may be out of shape. Let redshirt him. Why play? He's like a, he's like a third, fourth string defensive tackle. There's no point. Let I mean, he could be average, but at least let him go through a whole off season, learn the playbook, get in better shape, and then come out. We redshirt McDougal. We redshirt um, Brian McKinney. Why can't you redshirt this dude? I, mean, uh, it makes no I sense. you know. 
totally agree. Some most of the greatest players to ever be Miami Hurricanes all redshirted. Um, I, you know, I, I've been a broken record on the subject. I think it's one of the things holding back the development of the program. I, I think that they they don't value red shirts as much as they they do. And I also think one of the things holding them back is they they play too many guys. Um, that's, when the I think that's I mean, still on the line. The, the Nasio, okay, I'll say that I'm not bash him continuously, and I don't really put it all on him. I think Franklin is as much as well. I think Franklin is one of our worst coaches on our staff. But the, I, I think what the Nasio wants to run, it may can be successful, but you have to have the experienced players to run it. You can't be just throwing a Jawan Young out there willy-nilly. You can't throw a Trent Harris out there willy-nilly. You need to register these guys, let them get bigger, let them learn the system, learn the verbiage, go through an offseason. Then when you put them out there in different packages, they're not sitting there running around confused, and then here comes your media session. Well, what happened, Coach? Well, we made too many knees. Why do you make knees? Because you have players out there that you're just stubbing out in different packages that don't know what they're doing, they're not experienced, they're just they're trying to make plays because they're, they're resulting to their instincts, not what they did in high school and what they do all their football life. They're resulting to their instincts. They're not playing within the system because you're not cause you're not letting them develop in the system. You're not yeah, letting I mean, them develop I'll never muscle, muscle memory. You're not going to develop muscle memory. You're not letting them, let them develop that like concepts and trust. How can how can Jawan Young trust that Jermaine Grace or you know whoever's next to him will be in that system if they haven't played with them? Before, or they only play with them in the first quarter. The next time they get it is after the third quarter, like like Gus Edwards. You know, people like you said, guys, people coming down with him. The dude didn't get in the game to the third quarter. I'm like, what's yeah. the point? At least let him get in the first, second quarter, get into a rhythm. Well, you know, I, I mean, Chad Thomas is another example. Why is he not redshirting this year? I'll never understand that one. You know, I, I just think they have to value red shirts more. And like I've said, I, I think they do try to play too many guys. And and when you get into games against quality competition, it's very difficult to get that many guys ready to play. All right, you got anything else tonight? Uh, no, that's it, man. Great show. Great seeing the coach and having the coach on. Um, you know, why don't you get back at it? You got just it, man. Keep, hey, thanks keep, for being here. Keep, keep me on hold. You got it. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. By popular demand, we have another hour tonight. We're going to go to 11, um, so feel free to call in. Um, right now, let's go out to the 240, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? This is a D Black 21. What's up, D Black? How you doing, man? No much. Uh, no much, you know. Uh, I, I guess I'm in a little better spirits. You know, we gotta we gotta win. The defense played a lot better. You know, the cornerbacks <laughs> look like they played with better technique. Um, it was it was cool to listen to uh, one of the greats to ever come to you, uh Howard tonight. Listen to his perspective on everything. Um, I just got a few things for you. Not, I'm not gonna be long. I'm gonna be strong, but I'm definitely not gonna be long. Um. <laughs> Uh, if you can find out what's their plan with with Weiss, if they're gonna redshirt him, I think it'd be beneficial. They can't redshirt him; it's too late. So, oh, it's too late. Well, wow, that sucks because I feel that'd benefit him and it'd benefit the program. Let me, but let me tell you something: he's been so bad. I don't think they had any desire to redshirt him. I mean, how this kid ever was branded as the answer was that he was going to be the answer at defensive tackle and. And everybody was calling him the next coming of Vince Wolfork and everything. I mean, I, he's a nice kid, a really nice kid, but you know he came in 
grossly out of shape, which I'll never understand, and uh, has been bad from day one. Oh, okay. Wow. That's that's that sucks. <laughs> that, that's bad. But um, I like Joseph. I like Yerby. I, I like I like what I see from him. You know, give him a whole year in the strength and conditioning program, put a little more weight on him, some more strength. Oh yeah, he's gonna be special. He, he's definitely gonna be special. He has, has that dynamic of running, cutting, and also pass receiving, which is good. You know, we've got to see how his pass how his pass pro is, though, how his pass protection is. Um, and one thing, like, all those running Edwards, backs need to get better in that area. Yeah, like yeah. with Edwards. Like, oh my God. All of them, um, every single one of them. None of them can pick up a blitz. None of them can. I mean, you team teams are going to start exploiting that. They better get those guys on the practice field and, and and spend some extra time working on blocking because those running backs do not do it well. And um, Don Solinger must be like screaming at his television set every week when he sees that, the way those running backs are blocking. And look, I know he is, and I know I know a lot of the past greats that played that position are doing the same thing as well. But um, I got one more thing, and then I'm going to let you go, you know, even though we don't have another hour. But like I said, I'm just going to definitely be strong tonight. Um, I was watching the uh, the Football Life with Sean Taylor on Friday night, you know, I was watching that. And that was, it was, you know, it was great, you know what I'm saying? It brought back a lot of, lot of good memories and a lot of bad memories also. So, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, watching it with my two sons that I spoke about last week. So, you know, we play on Saturdays. So, you know, we get to the field, and I'm getting them together. I'm taping them up. And my boys, they say to me, they say, uh, they're like, Daddy, you know, they say, Yo, we're we going to play we gonna play hard for 26. And I'm like, who? He lives like 26 for the U, Sean Taylor. They said, we're going to play hard for him. They said, we're going to play hard like they play hard. I said, that's that's it exactly. I said, you go out here, you play the game hard. And Saturday night, I saw the defense play like they used to play. Not saying they're as good as that. I want I want all the listeners to to understand what I'm saying. They play with a purpose. They play with passion. They play with that. We will not get beat tonight. You're not going to run on us. You're not going to do anything that to us tonight. And they just had that that eye. I guess I don't know if it's cliche. They had that eye of the tiger, so to speak. And I just hopefully hope that it can carry through. Of course, I know it's not going to be the same performance, but if it can be on that scale, Gary, I think we'll win some games people think we shouldn't win. As long as they keep it in perspective, keep the enemies down, you know, and a lot of that contributes to what you said and the other caller said that rotation, but if they could just come out and play with that passion, Gary, I think we'd be all right. I mean, you know, I got an eight- and six-year-old that loves this game, and I'm like, yo, if, if y'all could talk to some of these players, it's ridiculous. But if they play the way they play Saturday night, I think you have a lot. These calls on Tuesday will be a whole lot less griping. <laughs> I agree, oh, I, and and I think that they can be competitive in, in in every single game that's left on the schedule, including Florida State. I think I think they match up great with the Seminoles because they have enough defensive backs to defend that offense, and um, you know it's just a matter of of what they can get done, game planning, and and go out there and and try to get it done. 
You see what happened? You see what you see? You see what NC State did? Yep, they were ready to play. <laughs> and, exactly. it was a road, and it was a road game, and and Florida State's coming to Sun Life Stadium this year, so it's right exactly. there for the taking. So we'll see what happens. Exactly. Florida State's got some other fish to fry first, though. They got yeah, they, they, they got to deal with Notre, they got to deal with Notre Dame. So we'll see what happens. Exactly. All right. But well, Haley, great show. Keep keep doing what you're doing, man. Appreciate it that that we got this phone. We can call and discuss things with you and other and other Kane fans. And just keep me on hold, Gary. You got it, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Let's go out to the eight five zero. Where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Smoothie man. What's up, Smoothie? Ain't nothing much. Ain't nothing much, man. I just I, I've been listening to the show for now about five weeks, man, and it's it's my first time actually coming in, so it's an honor. Well, welcome. Yeah, man. I just want to talk about. Um, I, they done touched on a lot of the subjects, you know. I want to talk about Trey Young. Great. I know he is. I'm mad that he don't, you know, got in the game. He's not red shirted anymore. But I think, I, honestly, in my opinion, I think he can do a better job than Gus do on the third downs. What you say? Um, I think Gus is further along right now. I, I think Gus is not getting a lot of playing time. Um, uh, you know, obviously that was a bad fumble the other night, but I, I think people are being a little unfair. Yeah, I understand. I understand. He did. He was cold that night. That was the, like the first time he got in the, through the whole game. I understand that dynamic of that dynamic of. I I don't want to put the blame, you know, so much like he's just not a good player because he had a game, a good game before the game before, you know. But um, I, I just. It's just something about the way he runs, and I have seen Trey Young great in the way he runs. The little time that they did let him in, there, I was really like, I was like, this boy, he's gonna be, he's gonna be special. I think Trey Young great. Well, well, he should have redshirted this year. Yeah, he definitely did. He, he just came in too late, didn't know the offense at all. So it's a whole lot of catching up he has to do on that end. Um. Let me see. I, as far as the defense, I I, I promise you, I love the way the passion that they showed in playing. You know, it look it it, it wasn't a, about you know they executed and it was just a aggressiveness that I haven't seen since a while. You know, and I just hope they can sustain that. You know. Sustain that that passion every game. If they can play play passionate, even if the cushion is not there, I'm happy. You know, it's just a, a certain feeling that okay, we're not gonna, we're just gonna come into you know, smash mouth. You know, we're coming in to actually take over games and not to just sit right and and be reactive instead of proactive. You know. Yeah. Well, they were. And and they adjusted well, and, and, it, and it was a good week of progress for them. But they got to keep it going. You know, this week's a bigger challenge than last week, and and there's going to be more yeah. down the road. And they just they got to build on that. And, and Coach D'Onofrio and Coach Golden have to stay aggressive and, and and understand what's working better for them. And um, if they do that, they got a shot. Yeah, they. I think they do. I I, I think they. And another thing, uh, special teams. 
I really think Duke should be running some of those balls back at kickoff, on kick return. I, it just seems to me that that um, Coley, um, he just seems like he's timid back there at times, like he's a little nervous. He Every time, I'm honestly, every time he's running the ball back there, especially on punt return, it's nervous to me because I'm wondering, is this boy going to fumble? Is he going to muffle the ball? Is, you know, is somebody going to put a lick on him? Because it seems like he's he afraid of the weight room. See, he done been there two years, and I, he still seems like the same size. It's well, like he's not. A, Duke, Duke had 27. Duke had 27 touches on offense the, the other night. Um, yeah. You know, the, that you know that that's that's a lot of touches yeah. for a running back. Uh, he, he he got the ball on 27 of the 75 plays that they ran in the game. I know they're hoping that they can that they can continue to use these other guys on special teams and not need Duke Johnson in that area. Yeah. Um, they want to keep him fresh. Yeah. They want to. They're trying to get him through the season, similar to Dorsett. Yeah. Okay. I, All right. I understand any, that. Any, anything else you got tonight? Um, no, nah, you just keep me on hold. I've been listening on. I just like to listen on to the rest of it. All right, man. Hey, thanks for being part of the show. Give us a call again next week. No problem. All right, let's go out to the 240, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Uh, Gary, this is D-Black 21. I was on hold. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. All right. Um, I'll put you back. I'll put you back on hold. Um, push the wrong button there. Let's go out to the 205, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? This is Big Slaughter 5. Hey, what's up, Slaughter? How you doing this week? Man, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I was shocked nobody really touched on this um, certain player, man, but, man, Jermaine Grace has really stepped up his game, man. I've been very, I was very impressed with him this um, past weekend. He was filling some gaps, man. He made um, – he met, a, he met the um, running back at the line of scrimmage, man, and, and, and I kind of forgot who he was for a second. He looked like <laughs> Vim a little bit to me, man. He just been flying to them. You know, well, he's like you he's more know. comfortable in flying to the ball. He's he's not Vilma, but but in my opinion, I'll I'll put this in the same category as some of the things that we've talked about tonight. Um, coaches take a lot of heat um, from the fan base, but you got to give them credit when credit's due, and this is one area where credit is due. They are putting Jermaine Grace in situations where his skill set can can allow him to shine. They're not asking yeah. him to do things that he can't do. You know, you, you can't put him in the middle on, exactly. on running down and ask him to take on guards and centers and, and, and tackles. He's not going to excel in those areas. But when you get exactly. him out in space and he can make plays the way he's making and use his speed, he's going to shine. And I give the coaches credit for that. Yes, because like the players I'm talking about, he was at, I think it was at Will. I think it was at Will. He was an outside linebacker and he shot a couple of gaps. You know, um, and it was I was like, man, he had he had shattered a block on I think one of the screen passes and made a tackle for loss. And I was like, man, this guy, I thought it was a DB. He had come, you know. Come well, he is a DB. He's a DB well, he playing linebacker. Big safety, yeah, but he's, that's how we he, used to he's do a, that. He's a big day, safety though. playing linebacker, no doubt about that's it. That's how Jimmy used to do. That's how she, you know they used to bring those big safeties and turn them into linebackers and you know blitz them and however that you know that type of deal. But I mean, I was. You know, I was I was kind of I was impressed how the defense, you know, how they make how the coaching staff made that adjustment to you know to to you know to actually see them playing more aggressive 
and they and it showed that if they show if they played a stacking attacking style defense, you know we could be successful because that's what all these kids grew up playing attacking style defense in South Florida. I'm from Birmingham, but like I said, I, I know a lot of guys that you know from South Florida, J.R. Brown, all those guys. Some of them guys went to Florida State, but I just know them, you know, personally. My, you know, one of my best friends played at Florida State, but. That style of ball down in South Florida is attacking style. A lot of press man, and then you've seen that it's worked. So hopefully, you know, like you said, they they'll bring that same style from the weeks to come. And you know, I'm just I'm just looking forward to you know to seeing them perform at Georgia Tech because I will be at that game um, Saturday, man. But you know, I just wanted to get you know tip, tip my hat off to them to making those adjustments, you know. But and you know, that's all I got. So you can just you know um, keep me on hold. Alrighty, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. All right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Going now to the eight five zero, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Are you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, you'll have to call back. Um, let's go now to the nine fifty one. Where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Wait, talk into the phone. We can't hear you. Oh, all righty, ma'am. No problem. We'll let we'll let you listen. Um, let's go out now to the eight zero one, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. All right. Um, Let's try the um, the nine eight five. You're now on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, I'm back. Sorry, I lost you there. Oh okay. Um, <laughs> Swag- go ahead. What you Swagger. want? Oh hey, yeah. yeah I sorry, just, yeah. You you got cut off. Go ahead. Uh, finish what you were yeah. saying. Yeah, I just wanted to finish. Uh, I didn't. I, I'm not down on Coach Coley, James Coley. That's not where I was going with it. I just think that with all the weapons we have on this offense in that Duke game, you know. Whether or not it was a few wrinkles shown that Duke was showing, you know, to Brad Kai or whatever, whatever that was, I just think we could have been. I mean, at halftime, Gary, that thing should have been thirty-five to ten or thirty-five to three or whatever it was. Well, I give mean, Duke I, credit. I just, yeah, give Duke I, some I credit I, now. They 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 started rolling out. They they got torched for one seventy-three in the first quarter, and they made adjustments. David Cutcliffe's a very good head coach, and they yep. made adjustments and started throwing some wrinkles at Kaya in that second quarter. And yeah. that's slow, that kind of took the offense out of its rhythm. I mean, sometimes you just got to tip your hat to the other guys too. True, very true. I I just I still think that that Coley he, he's not doing bad, but he could do better. And what he's doing with Kaya is amazing. I just wanted to make that point. What he's doing with Kaya is absolutely amazing. He's doing a great job amazing. with bringing along Kaya. So, um, what was that? No, great choice of words. Amazing is a great way to describe it. He is doing an amazing job bringing Brad Kaya along. And the thing that jumps out to me, um, like I said earlier in the show, is the clear connection that those two have. They are one being out there on the football field right now. Absolutely. Yeah, there, no question about it. The the, the maturation of Kaya is, is going along swimmingly. Um the other thing, Gary, just my last thing, and I'll let you go, the red shirting point. Um, I'm a believer in red shirting. I think we should be red shirting. But really, when you take a look at our roster and where we are right now, and then you go and you coincide with that with the, the, the recruiting class from last year, 
some of these guys that are playing right now, the Cortell Jenkins, you know, the Motens, the Chad Thomases, they really need these guys right now as far as for depth with their philosophy. When you take into account that they are rotating in, they like to rotate in all these guys, whether you disagree or agree with that, with that philosophy, that's the reason why the red shirting's not coming in. Now, you can agree or disagree with the, the philosophy of rotating all these guys. I don't, I don't the think way, Andrew the way they Moten see is. It. How, how, is Andrew Moten going to impact this it, season? Probably not. Probably yeah. do you not, see, but do we, that do goes you back see Chad to the philosophy Thomas? of the rotation. Is Chad Thomas making any impact out there? <laughs> I agree with I mean, you. Probably not. Jo- when Jawan, you, when you Jawan, Young, <laughs> Jawan Young, is he making an impact out there? I mean, some I mean, of them you, are. I mean, Cor- yes. Cortell Jenkins was more ready to play. Cortell Jenkins is a beast. Cause, yeah, because of the motor he plays. He's not, I wouldn't call him an impact guy, but he, you know, I could, you, you know, he's he's making a solid contribution. Um, Darian Owens is making a very solid contribution as a true freshman. Joe Yearby, obviously. Brad Kaya, obviously. Uh, Casey McDermott, yes. Um, but, you know, the point I'm making is that, there's also a lot of guys out there that are blowing redshirt years that could potentially develop into good players that are not making any impact at all. And, you know, I, it's, I am just of the opinion that those are the kind of guys you need to redshirt Fair if enough. you want to build a program. I, if you, I guess my thing is if you redshirt those guys, the Juwan Youngs and the Motens and, you know, the, some of those guys, who do you play with that scheme? <laughs> I mean, you don't you don't think Kamalu you don't think Kamalu can stay out there for a few more reps? Olson Pierre, no, I, I mean, I, all, I, all I, these guys but, that are playing, Anthony Chicolo, they're not. These guys aren't exhausting themselves. I haven't seen I haven't seen one guy on an IV at the end of the at the end of a game. <laughs> I haven't even seen one guy that looks even tired at the end of a game. Yeah, no, good. You, no, you're you're that's right. You, I guess you're proving me wrong. I, I you know, I just. It go, I guess it goes back to the philosophy of the rotation, like some of the earlier callers were calling in. And, yeah, the guys made a good point. It's like, why? You know, I guess if you disagree with the philosophy of those rotations, even well, on offense, you know. It, it's, it just gets tough, you know. Uh, to me, you have to build your program, you know. And, and you know, if you do it this way, you're always, you, you're always having to play true freshmen every year. So we'll see. I mean, I, listen. I, you know, I just give an opinion. I don't. I don't no, profess to, to tend to be a know-it-all and, and know everything. Um, I know that you know Howard Schnellenberger is a guy that's been in football his whole life. And when I asked him the question, right, everybody, he 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 was even stronger about it than I am. So, yeah. you know, I think there's some foundation to what I'm saying. I do the best I can, but I'm you know I'm not a, a know-it-all, of course. But I believe in, in red-shirting guys. I think it's important to their development. Gotcha. But you know, yeah, I, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm a lone voice in the desert. I'm actually a Golden and D'Onofrio defender. So, uh, hey, when they're good, tough, they're I, when I they're when, when, when they're good, they're good. And 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 Coach Golden, as a head coach, to me, has a ton of potential. Um, but he's in, he's in year four, and he needs to start fulfilling it, or he's not going to make it. And and you know, but, that's why I, as as a, as a columnist and writer, have been. A, a little tougher on him this year than I've been in past mm-hmm. years because, you know, he should be performing at, at a high level at this stage. And um, yeah. I didn't think he did that at Louisville and I didn't think he did it at Nebraska. And I think he just, you know, just deserved a lot of the, 
the heat that he got from the fan base. To his credit, um, even though he had a very tough week personally, he came back in the Duke game, and I thought he did a spectacular job. So, you know, yep. hopefully, hopefully now he builds on that. Yeah, and to me, I guess my beef with all of it is I think the goal for this year should have been and still is win the Coastal, get to the ACC championship game, and win the ACC. That, to me, is where you where you judge. I mean, did they did they crap the bed at Nebraska? Yeah, I mean, and you can get on them for that. But to me, the, the, you judge them on the body of work as far as the season. I just That's just me. But, but thank you, Gary. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming back to me, and you can put me back on hold. No, no sweat, man. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, let's go out now to the 850, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Are you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, you'll have to call back. Um, let's go out to the 954, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Yes, sir. Who's this? Yeah, hi. Uh, it's Jose. All right, Jose, what you got for us tonight? No, I was, you know, like, I listened to your conversation with Schallenberger, and uh, I'm trying to think. I was, I'm a fan of um, Golden. I'm starting to think that when you were talking about red shirting, do you think he might be just like, you know, I'm here for a couple of years, so I'm going to use whatever I have in my ammunition or my artil- artillery to just throw it out there, whether it be freshman or not, and not worry my so much about it. He doesn't know the answer to that question. I think that they're desperate to win now. I think they understand that if they don't win, that it's going to be tough for them to stay at Miami. And I don't think they're worried about redshirting guys. I think they're, they're yeah, their that's, philosophy. That's my is, point. It's like they're not yeah. worried about nourishing. One is no, matter of like they think it, now, whatever, yeah. whatever I have in my my it, artillery or my uh, ammunition, whatever, to get get it done now, regardless yeah, I don't of what think happens. They care. I, I think all they and, care about and another is thing, winning like, this week. And I said I was, I was a fan of him to begin with, but I'm trying to think. He's trying to like pretty much use the same mo that uh, Penn State had with Joe. You know, not, not 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 the end of it, but like pretty much the tie. You know, and if he's half as good as he uh, Joe was, that's pretty good. You win one national championship, you're up there all the time. And I'm trying to think. He's trying to copy that, as opposed to what UM used to be. Even though I like the guy. But I'm, I'm trying to think, like, he's, he, yeah, that's what he grew up with. That's what he knows. And he's trying to make that uh, MO of of the Penn State and bringing it to UM. Don't you think that's kind of true? What, is that, what does that mean? I'm going to ask you the same question I asked somebody last no, week. No, it, it's like, it like, you know, he grew, he grew up with Joe Paterno, which I was very successful football-wise. And, you know, academically, and he had, a, he had a squeaky clean program until everything went bad. And I think he figures, like, if I could do half of that, I'm successful. You know, he's a guy who won a couple of national championships. He was always academically good. He was always competing for a national championship. So he figures, if I could copy what my teacher taught me, I could do the same thing for the university and for me. But now I'm thinking the way, you know, he's on red shirting and so forth, maybe this is just a stepping stone for him to go somewhere else. Well, you know, I didn't follow Penn State that closely, but who's to say Joe Paterno didn't redshirt, guys? Oh no no! Is that I'm not a red shirt? I'm just, just like the, the, the point. You know, he grew up on that that Joe Paterno program, and, yeah, and his when, when, coaches when, when offered guys, that program too. When you guys say, and usually it's in a critical way, he he's bringing too much of the Penn State mindset or the Penn State way into Miami football. Like I don't understand. Like what does that oh, mean? Okay, okay. I, I'll, I'll kind of I, like to me. If I, I grew up in Miami football. And and Schellenberger brought the pro style to 
the the college ranks and made. And I made running it, pro style. Yeah, no, 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 no. Schellenberger brought it and made that obsolete in a way. Back then, who was the who was the the, the powerhouses? Nebraska, Oklahoma. What do they run? The wishbone. And then Jimmy Johnson made that obsolete. Make a defense. So I'm saying, like basically, back then, you know, that was the 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 way to go. But the, you know, our, you know, Schellenberger changed it. But this guy wants to follow what. Penn State used to be, which to me is like, I, I call it like fat football, you know, big, strong guys, you know, run the ball and throw a ball a couple of times. But, you know, that's almost like absolute these days, you know. Actually, even the Schellenberger system of the, the offensive, you know, like a pro style, it might be obsolete nowadays with the spread offense that they use now. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's definitely in vogue, that's for sure. But you still have teams that run the pro style, Alabama, Runs it very successfully. Um, Miami is running a pro style no, offense. Well, Miami but, has to, be but, but I think they're Miami incorporating. Like, out of inheritance, they have to be pro style because you know we have some first success with it. We had used to be quarterback you and so forth. So we almost have to like do it because yeah, but, that's but the they're tradition. doing it with some spread, a lot of spread concepts. I don't know if you've noticed, but they, yeah. they're running the pro yeah. style offense, but it, it's it's got a lot of spread concepts in it. Well, 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 yeah. To be honest with you, I, I think they, they're doing it with a lot of like rookies, and I don't think they did it the right way. <laughs> do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I, I do, but, just... I, but you still have. But honestly, you haven't answered my question because I'm still. I, I and, and I, I'm I, I, I say it with all respect and kindness. Uh, I am trying yeah. to understand because I don't get it. Well, what people mean when they say he he's bringing too much Penn State into Miami football. Okay, like, Penn what State, is he, I think, I think what is the, he doing? To me and, and the people that grew up in their program and, and kind of see, like, you know, we kind of, you know, brought the pro style to the college football and made, you know, like the speed and everything else. And to me, it's like almost bringing back like the old Big Ten, um, you know, like, like you know, like four, four, four yards and a smile of dust type of thing, throw a pass every once in a while. And, and you use more like power football, you know, strength and fat guys as opposed to what we developed and what we revolutionized. Obviously, we did because we won five national championships with it in, in like within like a decade. And it was speed and, you know, that 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 the difference. And it wasn't like that, that stereotype, boring kind of football that uh, maybe the rest of the country might see that way of being, you know, the Midwest. But if here in South Florida, it, it came to us very fast and it was and it was successful very fast. But they're they're doing that. Miami's not not doing that. Yeah, under Al under Al I think we we want to do that, but I don't think the guy you know running the ship can handle that. I don't know. I don't, I don't think he knows how to uh, no. do, do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you. You're not. <laughs> you and and I don't. I'm not sure there is an explanation. So I'm not knocking you, but you're definitely not answering my question because you know anything you're saying they're doing. I mean they're not not playing fast. They're not not playing speedy receivers and speedy running backs like they always have. They are. Philip Dorsett, Duke Johnson, Joe Yearby. I mean, yeah, they're yeah, all over I, the place. We, 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 we have those guys, but like it doesn't seem like we're like executing it or, or I don't know, we're doing these little bubble passes and stuff. I don't you know, like it doesn't remind me of you know, the the no. – they, they, they are wearing out back in the, the day. They, you know, like, yes. like, take one guy head on. So we, all, all these right. guys, well, that's speed that we have. We, could, we, should, we should be able to be, you know, okay. Uh, you want to you make the case that they're wearing out the bubble pass? I'm with you, okay? I, I, I understand that <laughs> point of view. And they are definitely wearing out the bu- the bubble screen. Um, 
but I don't know. I just I don't buy this whole bringing too much Penn State into Miami football. Anyway, hey, okay. um, thank you so much for being part of the show. Right. Uh, and one thing, I, I think we do have a sort of a quarterback with this kid, though. Oh, there's no question about that. All right, thanks Thank for being part of the show. Give, give, yeah, give, give us a call next week. 646-595-2048. Let's go out to the 850, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. You there? All right, you got to call back. Um, let's go to the 561, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, hey, Gary, how are you? Doing good. Who's this? This is Frank from Wellington. Um, hey, what's up, Frank? Uh, everything's good. Horse country. Been a long-time season ticket holder. Seen. Uh, I'm 50 years old. I've seen the Canes for, gosh, since I was 22 years old and I moved down here. I I like what Coley's doing, developing the quarterback. But I'm at the Duke game Saturday, and my concern is we're running the ball eight yards, running the ball six yards. Play pass on him. Don't go to the shotgun when you throw. Play pass. You go under the center, play pass on these guys. I don't know why we have to go to that shotgun every time. I don't understand why they do. Pardon me? They do both. They they play action pass. I didn't see it a lot Saturday night. You know, and, and they, I no, really, they, they, they do. I, I, I obviously don't have a count on the number of times they play action pass the other night, but it's it's actually something that, that I've noticed that Kaya is doing phenomenal at, and he looks like an NFL quarterback on his play-action footwork and fakes. Right, but I'm saying I don't think they do it enough. Like, when you're running the ball, and, you, uh, and another thing I noticed, too, is if they run the ball and they get in six yards a clip or eight yards a clip, and then let's say Duke gets lucky and on uh, the Blue Devils, not Duke Johnson – they get lucky, and on first and ten, they hold them to a yard. We Right away, you know, we're inside the 20. Right away, they're throwing the ball again. Like, that first drive, when they had first and goal at the seven, okay, you run that ball in. They, they wouldn't have had to settle for a field goal. I just don't think that they utilize – Duke's defensive line is so overmatched by our offensive line. 22 points was not acceptable to me for as many yards as they gained. Well, the, the, the reason they only scored 22 points was they, they broke down on third downs. You know, they didn't do a good enough job on third downs, um, and that allowed Duke to stay in the ball game. And, um, you know, that's where it kind of fell apart a little bit for them. But for the most part, you know, they're doing a pretty good job. No, no, no. I'm, believe me, I'm happy with Kaya. I think Coley's doing an outstanding job with him. However, I question some of his play calling, especially in the red zone. I think that when we're first and goal at the seven, Duke's getting – he's getting in there. Give it to him three times. Maybe because I'm a Giant fan and I'm from the Parcells mold, but run the tar out of that ball, man, especially against an undersized defensive front like Duke. It's not like you're playing, you know, uh, some huge front four. I don't get that. I just don't understand it, and I think well, that we you do know that the, the first you do know that the first touchdown in the game the other night was a seven yard Duke Johnson run. It, it, it was, but why didn't they do it the first time <laughs> we were down there? Oh, they mix it up. I'm listening. You can you can nitpick. Offensive offensive coordinators have the worst. Well, they have great jobs because they're well paid. But no, I mean, no, from I the like, standpoint, I like offense. Coordinator. I'm just maybe I am nitpicking, but it just you are. I think when, it, when it's such an overmatch, though, why even why why outsmart ourselves? Just ram it down their throats. 
And, and That's what, what I don't get. And I think and, we can and, do and, that and, this week in Georgia. And what Tech? if it didn't work? You know, you don't. You, you, it you know, you work. don't know what's. Well, maybe. Because Georgia Tech's horrible against the run too. Yeah. They are. And that'll keep them off the field. I'm saying pound that ball with Duke Johnson and Joe Yearby. I mean, and I, although you're right, those, our, our those, that's not the style thing. of running back. Those guys aren't those type of running backs. No, but you know, Duke Johnson and Joe Yearby are specialists. They're they're not pound pounded type of running backs. Well, when, when I say pounded, what I'm trying to say is just run the ball because they're going to get they're going to get five or six yards every play. And if they only get one on first down. Don't abandon it. I'm not saying throw the ball only 12 times a game, okay? But I'm saying when you have a team that is horrible against the run, worse than we are against the run, like Duke is, like Georgia Tech is, then I don't think it should be a 50-50 split. All right, I think well, it should you, be a 60-40 split. You said you were nitpicking, and you are. They ran 75 plays the other night. 41 of them were running plays. I mean, they're fine. They just got to do a little bit. You know, they, they, they just got to keep bringing Kaya along. Teams are doing a good job of, of throwing wrinkles into the schemes, particularly on third down. That's why they're struggling so bad on third downs. And they just got to stay with it, and it should get better and better as the year goes on. But All maybe right, our anything, third downs would be shorter. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And, and they were, they, they're working, I don't know if you noticed, but they were, they were working on that a lot too the other night. They, they were trying to make sure that they were third and three, third and four. The whole game. I don't, you know, I don't know if you but noticed that's what, that. And that's what they should be working. On. I just, again, when it's an undermanned or undersized defensive front like Duke had, like Georgia Tech's going to have this week, I, I would like to see us run the ball more. That's my opinion. Well, you might. That figures to be a big part of the game plan this week. All right. Anyway, you, hey, thank, yeah, thank you so much for being part of the show. Give us a call again next week. All right. All right. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Uh, let's go out now to the 201, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. What's good, Gary? This is D-Wins Titles from the West End Zone. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, listen, man, I'm just going to, like, talk. I want to rant, man, because I already see the writing on the wall. This staff, they don't know what the hell they're doing. They're recruiting. Listen, like, I followed recruiting since 08. Wait, hold on, hold on. I followed recruiting since 08. I ain't going to claim I'm no expert or anything like that, dog, but... The South Florida kids that keep leaving. When I seen Jimbo Fisher take over, for instance, this dude, bro, the first class he brought in, I already seen what he was doing. I was like, this dude going to win quick. Al Golden, I know he had the scandal and everything, but come on. You missing on Alex Collins, Stoney Michelle, McKenzie, all these kids in the back, in the back at LeVar Kirkland. We can't use that kid right now? Come on, man. This dude, me, I know right now on the wall, this dude is not going to win a national championship at Miami, period. End of story. I know that James Coley, he shows the ability to adapt, you know what I'm saying, and change his ways. He's a great recruiter. we got some good recruiters on the staff, but 3-4 uh, defense ain't fit for the um, South Florida athletes, period. And, um, man, listen, a lot of people saying it. I know it ain't the popular thing, but bring Butch, Butch Davis back to Miami, please, to save this program. He's getting old, man. He, I don't know that you're gonna. I don't think you're gonna see Butch Davis back at Miami. Listen, look, look at he, Nick Saban. Nick Saban's old. He, I know, but I don't think you're gonna ever see Butch Davis back at Miami. Look, People look are gonna at, have to get over the that. The development of the players is garbage. Look at Stacey Coley this year. The development of Duke Johnson, his freshman year, was his best year. Look at the development of all the players. They all regress after their first year. This Anthony Chicolo's probably his freshman year is his best year. Probably. I mean, he got probably got better numbers there than anything else. 
Okay, what if Stacy Coley just to throw and you know he, he's probably not the greatest example because he did contribute a lot to last season. But what if he redshirted last year and was a redshirt freshman right now, like he should be? And you know, some kids develop at different rates. And yes, you know, he's got all this great athletic skill and talent, but he's a little mentally fragile right now, in my opinion. And and I think the reason he drops so many balls is he 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 gets a little overexcited on game day and and is a little bit too anxious to make big plays, and and it, it affects his concentration and. You know, so, some guys it just takes a little bit of time. Leonard Leonard Hankerson was like that in his career. It didn't all come together for him until his senior year. So yeah, but that's you know, the thing. Got, you got you got Miami players doing better in the NFL now than what they were doing at, at Miami. You got guys like uh, Sam Shields blowing up in the NFL and they don't do nothing. The development of the players has that's been a bad Miami example, man. Everyone years. uses that example. Everyone uses yeah. that example. That's a bad example. Sam Shields started as a receiver. Randy Shannon had the foresight to move him to cornerback. He played cornerback one year at Miami, and now he's playing it in the NFL and having a career for, for many, many years. And, and what about, they deserve what about, credit um, for that. What not about to be, my man? Not G- to be bad. What, what about Gianni Paul? Gianni Paul w- w- was a kid with behavioral issues and, and, and a track record in high school that he never should have been recruited. So, mistake? This is Miami. Absolutely. Fan- we we beat Duke and fans are acting like we went through like we we beat them in basketball. We should beat Duke by well, twenty every year. Period. That's where I you mean, are right now, man. You, you know, I I'll agree with you that you know to get back to being Miami of old, you got to progress past that level. But that's the level they're at right now. Miami's never won the Coastal Division. I mean, listen, other than the, when they split it when well, they were and they had to give it up. Listen, the Northfield Dorito, whatever the hell they want to call this dude, he has these D linemen playing patty cake. I mean, they just wasted Chad Thomas. He, he don't even play, and they got Trent Harris. I mean, come on, man. He should be redshirting. Trent Harris should be redshirting. They, they should all be redshirting. They're not ready to play right now. Well, the red flag for them, besides their coaching ability, was the recruiting. I follow recruiting a lot, and all the misses. You look at Amari Cooper, all these misses. If you put all of those South Florida elite prospects on the team, oh my God. it would be a lot Teddy different. Bridgewater, Amari Cooper, you could go on and on. You're absolutely right. Um, but but it is getting a little bit better. If they can hold on, you know, yes, they lost running backs. They lost Sonny Michelle. But if they can hold on to Jordan Scarlett and Dexter Williams, that that's two top-of-the-line running backs right you there. You think they're going to hold on in. to Jordan Scarlett? Well, they need this, to. This, they, they, these guys are terrible. Um, to clo- Closing, they're terrible. So I they need to hold on to them. Losses. They're, they're terrible when it, when it comes to National Signing Day. He always looks like... He's he's depressed on TV on National Signing Day, Al Golden. Wow. I mean, I think these guys are in over their heads. It's just a matter of time. Is it this year or next year? But everybody's going to see. In the West End Zone, they know about it. This dude is in over his head. It's, I don't know why they sign these these contracts to give these coaches, like, all the, the, these years. They extend these years, and they don't even do nothing. Just because he's stuck by by his contract for a scandal, he has to, he has a job to do. He signed a contract. I don't understand. No, they like, panicked. They panicked. They panicked ah, that night when crazy. they found out about the NCAA situation. And he, and he flirted situation. with Penn State, didn't he? But in, in fairness, you know, you, I think you got to see how this season plays out. You know, they, how you get they had a, how they had you a get night, blown you know, by Louisville. Try to be positive, man. Hey, try, seriously, try to be positive this week. They had a good game against Duke the other night. They're going to play another big game now against Georgia Tech. You know, try, try and to be positive also, and, and, and let also it play this out. Kid, that Georgia Tech quarterback, everybody's like, oh, we're going to win easy. That Georgia Tech, that's not that, that kid that came in off the bench last year. That kid was recruited by Alabama heavy, and no, this team that kid is a real threat. And we we get we give up chunks on the ground. So I'm expecting this kid to do like I seen him against uh, Virginia Tech, and 
The kid is he can't throw it, but he can run. You go to Blacksburg, you you, you don't and win. You're not doing it being a bad football team. All right, hey, listen, thank you uh, for being part of the show. Try to be a little bit more positive for the next few days and see how this thing plays out. All right, man. All right, man. Thank you. All right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Not a lot of guys out there that seem so excited by the the turn of events in the Duke game. I'm a little surprised by that. Um, thought that might have uplifted people a little bit more. Let's go out to the three four seven where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you feeling tonight? All right, uh, let's try the four eighty four. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Oh, this is Philly again, Gary. Okay. So you have uh, yeah, you have me on on hold. Okay, I'll put you back. Um, sorry about that. Let's try the uh, five zero one where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's going on, Gary? This is Alex, Arkansas Kane, man, up in Little Rock. Hey, what's happening, man? Your your, your Arkansas Razorbacks are getting better up there. People must be excited. Hey, man, I'm gonna tell you. Listen, that offensive line, they running that ball down people's throats. But um, you know, with me being a, a, a Miami Hurricane fan, you know, I, it didn't bother me that Texas A&M beat them in overtime. You know, I'm still holding out a, a little bit of a reservation to see what they really gonna do when they play somebody that has a really strong defense. Yep. But um but I wanted to call man, you know, I know the guy that just got off, man, he went off. <laughs> he went ham. But uh listen But I'm I'm in a better mood, man. I appreciate the therapy sessions and I call every week. And I got in a little bit late so I didn't catch all of the beginning. I got a chance to uh here, Coach Schellenberger, and uh, I really enjoyed that, man. I just love listening to him talk. But um, I wanted to ask you, um, what was the deal with uh, Jordan Crunkwright? Is it just well, because I mean, we got a lot of running backs, or yes, yeah, they they got and, they and, got better players committed. You know, okay, you, you you got Jordan Scarlett, um, who's a phenomenal running back, committed. You got Dexter Williams, who's another one committed. Um, and then Mark Walton's going to be part of this class. So you got three running backs in the class, and uh, Jordan Cronkite was going to be number four. And um, I, I think it was a mutual decision, to be honest with you. I think Miami pretty much sent the signal to him that they didn't think uh, that that he should stay committed there, and, and, and he's out looking around. So um, I think it's best for both of them, as long as the running situation that Miami has now doesn't fall apart. And it doesn't look like it will. I mean, even if they ended up getting two of these three, it would it would still be good enough. So. Okay. Well, I was just I was wondering about that because you know he was like one of the first ones, man, and I saw how excited you know he was, and I just I just kind of hated that he ended up you know not getting the chance to doesn't look like he's going to be a part of it. Um, I wanted to come in he on the, the clear uh, we've been talking we've been talking about the uh, red shirting deal. And, you know, I think, as you said earlier, with these guys being under so much pressure, man, they got to win right now. So they can't afford to really play right now for two or three years down the line because had we lost to Duke, man, they would have had to come move to Arkansas. So, yeah, I mean, I, the they, that's exactly how they probably look at it. So they don't so, care but, if a guy can, if they think a guy can help them on the kickoff team. They're not worried about man, it. Man, yeah. 
But this is what I wanted to ask you. We've got a pretty good class coming in next year, a really good class. Don't you think that more of those guys will probably have to redshirt? How many seniors do we have on this year's team? Um, I don't have the exact count in front of me. I'd have to. I mean, count I, we're, it, but, we're not but, really but, we're not really a senior-heavy team, are we? I didn't think we were. So I was uh, kind of no. thinking maybe this next year's class that we got coming in this year, the majority of those kids are going to probably have to redshirt. I mean, uh, you know, taking a quick look at the at the depth chart, I mean, you know, Dorsett's a senior. Um, you know, obviously, um, well, Jake Heaps, but he doesn't count. Walford's a senior. Uh, McDermott is a senior. Feliciano is a senior. Chicolo is a senior. Um, Olsen Pierre is a senior. Uh, Thurston Armbruster is a senior. Is a senior. Perriman's a senior. Um, Gunther is a senior. Um so, yeah, I mean, you do have a lot of seniors starting and playing, so I wouldn't call it a young team. Okay. Well, I, I was kind of thinking maybe they'll probably, since the rotation is so heavy, next year when we get this year's recruiting class, we'll be able to redshirt more, you know, and be able to start to build it up like that. That's what I we was We say that every thinking. year, but it doesn't happen that way, you know. You're exactly right because the heat gets turned right back up. Uh, one one more thing, man. I was looking at that Sean Taylor thing, and again, me being a diehard Miami Hurricane fan, man, I started crying all over again. And so um, I um, I thought about it, man, and it just made me it reminded me of how we used to be, you know, and how what we used to be about. And Saturday's game, I really enjoyed it, and I, I expect them to continue to build on it. And if we do happen to lose, all I want, Gary, is for them to play like they played Saturday. You know, if they're going to play hard and act like it means something and, and go all out, then, then, okay, if we lose, we lose. I want us to win everything, but if we don't, I can go with that better than us sitting there and just taking it when people are just doing whatever they want to to us. Fair enough. So, I mean, that, that's my therapy session for this week. I'm going to call right, you man. back next week and get some more therapy, man. Thanks for your you show. Do, Keep me you on. You do that, man. Hey, thanks for listening and thanks for calling. All right, let's go out now to the um, the 850. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Are you with us? All right, um, let's try the um, 801. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Jerry, how you doing? This is your boy, NIU. How you feeling? Hey, what's up, NIU? How you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Hey, so you know, I'm uh, I'm one of the, the very few Seminoles who chill out in the West End Zone, and I watched the game on Saturday night. I got to be honest, I came away pretty impressed with how with how the team looked. I thought you guys, I thought the team looked very good, uh, particularly in the trenches. And yeah, you know, and that's really that's one of the, the areas that I've that I've noticed that Miami has really struggled. You know, they they given up a lot of rushing yards, you know, in past seasons. And, you know, it's definitely one of those areas that they really needed to get better, you know, because when it comes down to, you know, it all comes down to the trenches, Jerry. And you and you, you got to have that, that real, that lunch pail mentality, you know, uh, you know, that blue-collar work ethic down those trenches. And, you know, I really I really liked what I've seen. And, and you know, hopefully they can really build on that because, uh, you know, Georgia Tech's going to really bring it. And they're really going to test those guys down low and see what they got. So, yeah, I think it's definitely a positive to 
see what uh, to see what the team brought against Duke, and you know hopefully they can they can build on something like that because you know I, I've been running you know three T three T analysis. You ever heard of a three T analysis, Jerry? No. No. What so is three it? We are all about it's all about analyzing a team's toughness and, and technique and tenacity down in the trenches. It's all about you know seeing what seeing what you got down low and. I gave it. I did the analysis, and you know they've been coming out at about a 4.7, Jerry, and, and you know that's not too good. It's not too good, you know. The, I, you definitely you got to see it a little bit higher than that. But that's encouraged by, sounds by like an awesome system. It, it's good. I, I'll I'll send you one of my spreadsheets. You know, it might take a little time because I I use the old uh, my my computer's an old Atari, so you know I might have to just mail that to you. But you, can, uh, but, uh, you don't email. I, you don't have email. No, no, I'm just I'm just on Atari. I'm I'm an, I'm old school, Jerry. But right. hey, I, boy, you know, that is old I like, school. I do like what they're doing, and yeah, I think they're they're moving in the right direction. I gotta say, uh, I gotta give a shout out to my boys at West End Zone, and you know, just to be clear, we're talking WestEndZone.com. Talking the WestEndZone.com is where all the real Miami fans are at, where all the real football fans are at. We all all the guys that are hardcore football fans, we all discuss it in depth. We all drive Bentleys. We all got multi-million dollar jobs, and we all run four three forties. So you know what? We, I encourage everybody to get over there and hang out. Of course, I got to wrap it up with giving a shout out to my boy Duval, my boy Duval's old lady, but the charming woman Jerry. All right, man. Look, come on, man. We're almost out of time. I got to get some more people on. <laughs> so uh, give us a call next week. <laughs> nice shout outs. Let's go out to the five one three. Where uh, you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey Gary, how you doing? Um, I was probably good. your, I was probably your second caller last week. That kind of second or third caller last week that kind of went off because I just felt the Nafrio just didn't adjust or whatnot. And my whole thing is with this team now is that while I should feel good about the Duke game, I kind of don't feel good about the Duke game because I feel like this. I'm kind of torn right now. I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid right now. Almost like you get your hopes up with the with with this whole thing, and then they do a performance the next week or the following week, and you're just like, okay, here we go again. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree my, with you. And my whole thing is, it's just I don't mind Golden. I think he'll do great. My only problem is, it's just that it just has to be consistent. It's just no consistency. One week they're great two-game stretch, they may be great. And then they just have that stinker where you're just like, okay, it's back to reality. And my whole thing is is that, okay, the Duke performance that they did, do that against a great team on a national scale. I may not expect them to beat Florida State this year, but at least show me that same effort against Florida State. Don't have them come in and just put up 49 up on you. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we had missed tackles, we had missed assignments, and people were trying to do too much. I mean, at this point, it's been year four. I can't give you much leeway anymore. They shouldn't be making those mistakes in year four. You see what I'm trying to say? Like, it just it just yeah. baffles me when they, when, when I'm, I'm listening to D'Onofrio being interviewed, and I'm just like, okay, Mark, this is the same thing that's been going on for four years. I think, I mean, a system can't take that long for the players, you see what I'm saying, the buy-in is either they're doing it or maybe you're just not adjusting 
or you know whatever. So I guess this is where I'm at. I don't I don't know. I mean, I just I kind of listened late. You, so you're not unfair at all. Absolutely not unfair okay. at all. I, I I mean, they have to start showing some consistency. It can't be up one week, down the next. The fan base goes ape shit. The coaches adjust. They come back with a whole different defense the next week. It's successful. Um, oh, we didn't really change anything. You know that that's it's got to stop. It's got to be steady week after week right. after week. And, and when right. that takes place, then you'll know that the program is starting to arrive on the big stage again. Right. Because right now it's not very thing. relevant. Right. And one more thing. I mean, a lot of people are, you know, griping about the tackle recruiting. And my whole thing is, is this. The Miami of old teams used to get recruits because not only were they relevant, but they were winning. And I think a lot of players down in South Florida, like your, like your Ridleys and Beckers, I think they really love Miami. I just don't think they're convinced that they're relevant. You see what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, the brand well, is there. I, I think they're like, – well, they're, they're, they're a target. The Miami's a target right now for other schools recruiting these guys. Exactly. I mean, exactly. You're right. You're right. And, and you're right. you know, you're going to recruit a Calvin Ridley, and you're sitting there saying, hey, I got this Amari Cooper guy up here. Look, look what we've done for him. You know, he was going to go to Miami, and we took him out of Miami and brought him up here to Alabama ten times a game. He's going to be a first-round draft pick this year, and we need a receiver, Calvin. And, you know, right. why would you want to go down there to Miami and, and risk your great future? I mean, you know, it, it, you know, that's what these guys are doing. And, and some right, kids exactly. buy it, and, and, and some kids don't. And, and some kids want to be Miami Hurricanes no matter what they hear from these other schools. But when you're a target like that, you're going to lose some kids. I mean, right. You know, so just... when I hear certain callers now, and I know you got other callers, Gary, but this is what I'm just going to say. It kind of takes me off when I hear people say, oh, well, we missed out on this guy and this guy. And I'm just like, you don't think that Golden tried his damnness to get Valentine to come? You don't think he tried his damnness to get Keith Bryant and give and get Clark and try to get these D tackles down there? He tried. Hey, they it's thought they had that, Matthew Thomas and Denver Kirkland. I mean, Matthew Thomas yeah. and Denver Kirkland told them the night before they were coming to Miami, they were expecting to, to get a scholarship papers back from Booker T the next day, and then those kids leave. I mean, you know. Right. It, I mean, it, so you can't fault the staff for that. I mean, people want to just get, oh, would have let too many players get away. I said, that wasn't the best time for us as a program. I mean, we were we still didn't know what we was going to get. We still were, like, in, in flux. So a lot of players were just like, Okay, I love you guys, but I'm going here. So that's all I got to say, Gary. You have a hell of a show. I just, I'm just, you know, it's just kind of, we'll just wait and see. I want to see what they do against Florida State before I sit up here and, like, you know, yippee kaye. So great show, Gary. Just keep me on hold. Uh, You got it. Very fair comments. Thank you so much for the compliments, and thanks for being part of the show. Uh, Let's squeeze in uh, one more tonight. Uh, Let's go out to the 225 where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, what's up, man? Who's this? It's Jason in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hey, what you got, Jason? Nothing much, man. Um, I just got on here, man, and I heard a lot of comments. Um, I just want to um, go a little bit in the recruiting aspect. Um, I kind of want your perception of it. Uh, What is it do you think is um, hindering the staff from – from closing on on the recruits that they initially get, like uh, 
uh, Travis Rudolph and Keith Bryant and so forth, the guys that they, they have committed early and then they lose in the back end um, at, at one point during the uh, recruiting process. What is, I guess my thing is, what is the disconnect? How are they, what is the disconnect in your opinion? Well, I, I just think that when you don't have, when you don't have it all going, um, then you're, you're susceptible to other schools coming in and doing a better job than you. And, and you know, Miami hasn't hasn't won anything in the, over ten years now. And you know so that makes them. When, that's what you mean. Yeah, that makes them a target. Yeah, you got to win. You got to have a, pro- a program that's developing players and producing pros. And and Miami's been struggling now for a decade. And these young kids that are in high school right now, they don't remember. You know, they hear the names, but they don't really remember. You know, I mean, these kids were seven right. years old when when Miami was in the Rose Bowl playing for the national title. So you know, they, they you know they they may have a little bit of a memory of it, but it, it's not it's not a passion in their inner in their gut. You know, I mean. So yeah, you got to win the recruiting battle, and other schools are doing a good job. You know, I mean, Florida State did a good job with Travis Rudolph. Um, Alabama did a good job with Amari Cooper. Louisville did a good job with Teddy Bridgewater, who felt kind of fell through the cracks because of the coaching change and and all the uncertainty there. And I think if Randy Shannon had stayed the coach, Teddy Bridgewater would have been a Miami Hurricane. Um, and I think Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper would have been also. But um, you know, it's it's that simple, man. And now you have a new coaching staff in here that's had to build its own credibility. They've struggled. They went through the NCAA thing, which impeded their progress a little bit. And they don't have a resume. You know, where's the resume? Well, but, it's it's not there. Well, see, and, and they're going to lose but, some kids. But that's what I always said. I said, well, you're saying resume, and I'm, I'm saying it in a different way when I say who are these coaches. They're no-name coaches for the most part. Um, and, and I'm saying this. I'm not going to look at – I'm not talking about the recruits that we never had like Amari Cooper. I'm only talking about the ones that were committed at one point. And I'm just trying to figure out what happened in that process because we were already losing. I mean, let's be honest, we were already losing um, outside of last year. And we, you know, we had, you know, I guess a run of maybe six games or so, you know, of, of winning. Um, but we've been losing in the – since 2000, early 2000. So what I'm saying is, since we we had a few guys committed early, what happened in the recruiting process? Where was the the ball dropped for these guys to drop off, and then they they start laughing and and you know like keep Brian. I, I mean, I don't want to go in and and assassinate his character or anything like that. I'm just saying what happened in the process where Here, here's you know, what I'll like tell the, you though. If, let me stop let me you. Wait, wait, let, let me, me stop you, and then I'll let you continue. I, while I have the thought, I, I, want, I just want to make this point about Keith Bryant. Uh, and, and you're very accurate in what you said about him, and he was laughing and he was disrespectful. When was the, when was the last time you heard that kid's name? On signing day, right? I think he, yeah, I think he's red shirt maybe. I don't know. Uh, who the hell knows what he's doing? You know, uh, most, a lot of times these kids that show shaky character in recruiting don't ever end up being anything. But but hold up, Gary. He's just a freshman too. I I don't want to judge him just yet because he's a freshman and he's at a big time program with all other top tier athletes in front of him. So I don't want to rule him out just yet. I mean I don't. I mean this is not Miami. These guys they they got top tier guys already in front. So I don't want to rule him out yet. So I, I I can't say you know he's good or he's bad just yet. But I mean because 
he I don't know, you may know it more than I do, but he may be red shirt in which you know, Miami don't do and, and I understand he, he why. Did they red don't shirt. Do. He 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 is a red shirt freshman this year, that is correct. Okay. So do he got do we do we have like some other guys in front of him that may be a little older and so forth? Yeah. But he's he, but he's also he's also no, nowhere. I mean he's he's not he doesn't even show up on the depth chart up there. Yeah. So now you know maybe he did Miami a favor. Yeah. Well, maybe you know I, I don't know I don't I don't want to go into that aspect of it. But what I, I'm just trying to figure out because my thing is is that we have coaches here and it doesn't seem like you know, we can recruit that well. And I know I've heard you mention that before, and I, that's my perception as well, that, you know, we don't have that many good recruiters. Al Golden is a good recruiter, but he's the head coach, and he can't go and, you know, he can't go and close every single deal, you know. But I know James Coley is a good recruiter. But yes, the rest yes. of those guys, I mean, I don't I don't know what's, you know, you got you don't have a resume. You're not that good in recruiting. Where do we go? Where do we go from there? Well, I mean, they have to perform, and if they don't perform, then Coach Golden's got to, you know, get a little bit uh, stronger in evaluating his staff, and he may have to at some point make some changes. I mean, every Miami coach in history has had to make adjustments to their coaching staff. Why should Al Golden be any different? I mean, no head coach gets his coaching staff right coming out of the gate at a school. You know, he may have to make a change or two at some point, you know. I mean, he's already had a couple, you know, coaches leaving voluntarily. But, I mean, you know, if you look at all the coaches going back to Howard and, you, you know, you've listed the, the major changes that they made during their tenure, all of them made massive changes. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, we got to go for tonight. Uh, thank you so much for being part of the show. And uh, give us a call Great next week. All right, man. All right. You take care. Thanks. All righty. Hey, uh, guys, great show. Um you know, a little bit of volatility in our callers tonight, a little more so than usual. Um, you know, some a lot of guys made real good points. A lot of guys, you know, struggled a little bit. But uh, we made it through the three hours. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, want to thank Howard Schnellenberger for spending time with us earlier tonight. If you didn't hear him uh, in the uh, first hour and into the second hour of the show, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. Um, we asked him some tough questions, um, really probed him to give us opinions on some real topical issues in college football right now and with the Miami Hurricanes. And as always, Howard um, was very candid. Um, I hope that he uh, will not regret uh, some of the things that he did say because um, some of them were pointed. But um, I thought he was very fair. I thought he was very accurate. And I uh, can't thank him enough for being part of our show tonight. And like I said, um, I highly recommend you go out and you get his book. It's um it's a twenty four ninety five retail. You can get it at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I'm pretty sure. Um, if you don't want to buy it now, um, tell the wife or girlfriend to get it for you for the holidays. Um, it's a fun read, and um, I know I enjoyed reading Howard Schnellenberger's Passing the Torch. Anyway, the Canes head off to Atlanta. Uh, we'll see everybody next Tuesday night for another uh, edition of Cane Sport Live. And um, thank you for listening, everybody, and we'll see you soon. Thank <laughs> you.